Morning. Nice to be company. Welcome along. I can't believe it. Where have we got to? Thursday. Where did Wednesday go? Did Wednesday whiz... All of a sudden, do you know, these weeks are whizzing by. I have to apologise this morning. I might, be, I might seem a bit vacant. Uh, well, no, no, no more vacant than usual on the programme. Because stupidly, and I don't know what on earth possessed me, it's only because somebody mentioned to me the other day, I brought some, some donuts. Well, they're not, they're not donuts, they're iced buns. And, and there's one which has got <laughs> icing on, and it's got jam in it, and I was fine with that. But this morning I've had one with lemon curd in it. And it's just completely gone to my head immediately, within, within a matter of seconds. And I am absolutely ringing wet. I mean, I'm absolutely soaking. It's terrible, isn't it, really? Isn't it funny? I, so, I, sh- I should have checked, really, shouldn't I? I should have said, don't have the lemon curd one, Stephen. Have anything but the lemon curd. I've been better off with a, with a, a chocolate bar, I think, than having that thing. I've never been so hot in such a short space of time. I came in here and I've immediately... Because it was freezing cold in the studio. Christo's sitting here done up like Nanook of the North. And so, of course, I've moved the temperature up, which hasn't helped at all. Anyway, apart from that, how are we today? Some great stories in the papers, great stories, and uh, some great things which we're going to bring to you between now and 6.30, provided we can sort of make it through the morning. I think a very strange day, honestly. You know, it's, it's almost like being hallucinogenic this morning. I mean, I feel as though the walls should be melting and things like that. And then uh, and they're all ill. Everybody's ill. I keep bumping into ill people. I walk in today and uh, normally you get sort of, morning, all you get is, I've had a nosebleed. So you have <laughs> a nosebleed, and you think I really don't care. I mean, I'm really not interested in other people. I'm interested in my own illnesses, as you can well imagine. I'm not remotely interested in anybody else's illness. I kind of glaze over. So when somebody says to me, "I've had a nosebleed," and I go, "Oh, right," because there's no answer to it. I'm not medically qualified, and so I sort of try and come up with something intelligent, like, "Oh, how'd you get those?" Because I've only ever had one nosebleed, and that's when somebody hit me, and that was <laughs> some years ago. That was about. Oh, because I was I was working in a nightclub as a DJ, and this bloke came over and he said, uh, "You got any Rod Stewart, mate?" Because he was class, and uh, I said, "Yeah, later." It was the old DJ fob off, and uh, I said, "Yeah, later, later." And uh, thinking, you know, that there isn't a right moment in a disco for playing Rod Stewart. It's generally for sort of for sad little children on stand in the corner, you know, with, with, with a pint singing it. They don't dance. They can't. They can't dance half of them. And so he kept coming, and he'd been up about three times, and. Um, and in the end, he came and said, are you going to play that? And I thought, no, I might as well just tell him. I went, no. And so he hit me. Which was quite funny, actually, because he, he, he kind of came off the worst, because I had a, a, a panic button underneath the DJ console, and you push it, and the bouncers, because having worked there for a number of years, the bouncers would just bend over backwards for me. Some of them could. It was quite a trick. And, um, and so, of course, two of them came over. They dragged him outside, and I'm, I'm just sorry to say that, uh, you know, he also went home with a very bloody nose, which wasn't particularly <laughs> beneficial for him at all. But it, it just seems kind of ruining the evening for everybody. But it was, it was interesting. It's the only time I've ever had a, a nosebleed. I've never had a nosebleed before. But some people apparently get them on a regular basis. Because when we mentioned it, because I thought it was just one, and then Holly came in and said, and said, he's obviously had this nosebleed before. So he's had, is he permanently having nosebleeds or something? I've, uh, really? It's very odd, isn't it? I always thought you had a nosebleed if you blew your nose too hard and you broke the little corpuscles in there and everything else. I thought, sounds horrible, doesn't it? Because then, then when it all dries, oh, horrid. There's probably somebody lying in bed going, don't talk about nosebleeds. I'm lying here because you have to lie on your back, don't you? And they always turn around and show you that they've got sort of blood dribbling out their nose. And, oh, it's horrible. Why people want to share their illnesses with you, ladies and gentlemen? I've got no idea. But uh, it was mildly entertaining. And then he's got odd socks on as well. Have you noticed? He's got one, one blue and one yellow sock. I thought, they don't actually come in a pack like that. Unless you go to somewhere really naff. Can't think of any. It's, it's, it, he said it's called fashion. It's what, to wear odd socks is fashionable. I don't think so. Actually, talking of fashion, I did laugh. I, uh, 
I opened up the the Daily Star today, and there's a, it, they're, they're, everybody's doing all the stories that we did yesterday and the day before. We were talking about Cheryl Cole and Cher Lloyd and this spat, and I only just picked up on it today in the Daily Star. I mean, if you're listening at the Daily Star, I'll come up with some good stories for you later on. You can print them for tomorrow. Hardly worth bothering, is it? Uh, Whitney predicted her own death. I'm going to see Jesus. He's so cool. That's what drugs do for you boys and girls. Don't ever... Don't ever do drugs, because you start believing all sorts of stupid things. And now, of course, the papers have got it down as tragic Whitney Houston. It's, a, it's always a tragedy when somebody dies. But if it's self-inflicted, I have to hold my hands up and say, you know, why, where were all the friends? Where were all the people helping? Where were all the family? I mean, it, this isn't just recent. She's been on this stuff for years. Donkey's years. And where are all, where are all the friends around there? No, people stand back down there. You do what you want to do, love. You do. And nobody's helping her. Dreadful, isn't it? Absolutely dreadful. They've got a thing in the, in the paper today as well about um, wealthiest celebrities. I don't know where they've actually got this list from, uh, unless it's Company's House or something like that. So he- here are the, uh, the wealthiest celebrities. Simon Cowell, 57 million. You two, 55 million. Elton John, take that. Pink Floyd. Co- Is there any surprise in it? Adele, 25 million. I'd be surprised if she's worth that. I'd be very surprised if she's worth that. She's just moved into a rented house. They've got a big picture in a lot of the newspapers of this mansion in in the, the Shire somewhere. And they say it's worth between six and seven million. I know it is because I've seen it up for sale. And she's just renting it at the moment. Which means to me she ain't got the cash. Because, if, if yeah, oh yes, writing songs is always good. That's the, the only reason that people like George Michael made a load of money is because he didn't bother writing two songs for his records. He just put the instrumental version on the B-side. So you get two lots of royalties. So you actually buy, you know, years ago when you bought vinyl, on the A-side you'd have Careless Whisper, on the B-side you'd have the instrumental version. And so you get two lots of royalties, saves you having to write another tune. And that's why he, he amassed a fortune of about 60 million. Jamie Oliver, they reckon, has got 11 million. Uh, Gordon Ramsay and people like that are in here. Piers Morgan... 10 million. Piers Morgan? What, on that lame show in America? I don't think so. But though, strangely enough, how about all these other ones here? Telly stars, who've actually got a load of money. Number 10, Adrian Childs, 1.6 million. Yeah, right. I bet they, they'll all be looking at this wetting themselves laughing. Alan Hansen, 1.8 million. Well, he gets that in a year, doesn't he? If he's doing 40 grand a show. I mean, so, I don't know what... Is, is this yearly? Is this yearly? I don't know. Oh, it is actually. It is actually. This is uh, this is what what they've earned last year. Lorraine Pascal. Who's that? Lorraine Pascal. Never. It's a chef, is it? Oh, right. Two million and Dermot O'Dreary. Two million. I don't think so. Richard Hammond. Two point four million. The Hairy Bikers. Two point five million. Can't bear the Hairy Bikers. James May. 2.5 million. He's part of the Top Gear team, yet there's no mention of, uh, of the other one. Amy Childs, 2.75 million. <laughs> right. Harry Hill, 2.75 million. And Eamon Holmes, 2.8. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> fat boy fat. Oh, I don't think so. Mr. I'll try and stay awake. God, bloody honest. <coughs> Excuse me. So here is a lovely picture of Adele's house, her old house in Tottenham. And then this new mansion. I don't know what she's going to... She's going to rattle round in it, poor soul. It's, uh, it's out in, um, near Brighton. I mean, it's lovely. It's got 25 acres, but there's only her and a mum. What's, what's the point? And this, this place, I think, has got something like uh, eight to ten bedrooms. And, uh, and to be honest, I don't know what's the point of having it. It, it goes back a bit, I suppose, to the, uh, to the 60s and 70s. 
uh, when rock stars had to have big houses, because that was a sign of your wealth. Lovely picture of Wayne. Look at my hair, Rooney, and uh, and his wife. <laughs> and here he is. He's uh, he's chosen uh, the uh, the racing colours because he's he's bought. I think it's either it's his racehorse or he's got a share in it. And and the colours of it are pink. That's his racing colours. You're just so gay, Wayne. You're so gay, my darling. And here's a lovely picture of um, of girls out on the town. Lucy Mecklenburg again. What do you do for a living, love? I've got no idea what you do for a living. I mean, you just you just wander about. I can't can't quite get my head around that one. And apparently, Princess Kate has given the only way as Essex uh, star Lauren Goodyear the royal seal of approval. I think she's laughing at you, Lauren. I don't think she's laughing with you, Popsy, because she's dreadful. Old fish. Oh my God! What the hell is that? Model turned bodybuilder Jodie Marsh. I mean. God in heaven, if you really want to ruin yourself, take a good look at this, boys. And here she is. Leave. Wait for this one. She was on this morning yesterday. I don't know who was presenting yesterday, but uh, she was on it. And she was on there to put... Wait, wait for this. This is, this, is, this is how low this morning have sunk. She was on there to put the record straight on claims about her love life. That's how desperately sad she is. Tattooed Jodie, otherwise known as another bit of trailer trash was on the show to deny bedding Damien Merry, who upset babes on dating show Take Me Out. I'm assuming, darling, I mean, perhaps he was doing it as a laugh, because nobody's really interested in you at all, Jodie. I'm ever so sorry. Your cheap tattoos, your, your, your ghastly look, just everything about you is just dreadfully awful. Although I always find it very funny that Jodie Marsh has a brother called Jordan. A real girl's name, if you ask me. So there you go. BBC chiefs have given Jeremy Clarkson and his top team, uh, top gear team, the green light to swear. Apparently swearing is all right on television. A string of rude words were aired before the 9pm watershed. I mean, why would you be surprised that that old fogey, Jeremy Clarkson, uh, you know, would, would swear? Everybody swears. I've been known to say the odd rude word occasionally in the building. Not that many. And cer- certainly never in front of my parents. Never saw in front of my parents. But Jeremy Clarkson... Apparently, one guest on the family teleprogramme used the the B word, and another word was sprayed across a car, and the F word had to be bleeped seven times in five minutes. It's a bit sad, isn't it, really? They always say that those who actually uh, swear um, are a bit ill-educated. They don't have the, the education or the capacity to use proper words. Although, to be honest with you, Princess Margaret swore like a trooper. I mean, she had a f- she was a real fishwife. Terrible, terrible language, Princess Margaret. Uh, people who... I mean, she had... Also, a great collection of erotica, we're told, and a collection of seashells. She used to, and she was dreadfully boring, dreadfully boring, poor soul. Although I, I was very excited yesterday. I sat down and watched, because my friend John Warrington has recorded this um, programme about the Queen, presented by Andrew Marr, who's not particularly good at it, it has to be said, and they've managed to drag out all members of the royal family, including uh, Princesses Eugenie and Beatrice, and there they are, talking about Grandmama and all the rest of it, and then they've got Prince William, who's about the only member of the royal family, together with Harry, who's actually doing something. You'd think that they would be an example, and Princesses and Eugenie might actually get out there and do something. But there again, look at the parents. What hope? They've got no role models whatsoever. Mummy in the toe-sucking incident and Daddy hanging around with, let's just call them despots from foreign climes, shall we? Makes it so much easier. Quarter past four. LBC 97.3. This is a... Morning, 18 minutes past four is the time. Apparently Jodie Marsh was on there with Nick Ferrari, says Adam in Southend. Oh, God, uh, that's a bit sad, isn't it? Remind you, you don't know who the guests are going to be on that programme. Is it, I come to the conclusion, actually, every time I see David Beckham, sweet though he is, I kind of, do they need the money or something? 
I mean, why, with all their money and his football thing, does he feel the need to endorse pants? And there's another picture in the paper today, uh, wearing his, uh, his full-length long johns, proving to me that there's now 101 uses for a pair of socks. And uh, there's a lovely picture here. But apparently he got really embarrassed. Yeah, I bet. You know, as they went ka-ching, as the money came in. Um, what else we got here? Oh, little, little one, one Direction. We're pitched up on a, on a show. They're hawking them round Europe at the moment. And here's uh, his good old jet-setting, Christine Bleakley. And don't you wish that she jet-setted as far away as possible? Uh, stepping out in Los Angeles on a working holiday. My God, honestly. And um, TV's perfect housewife and total irritant, Anthea Turner, faces tearing down another illegal home improvement. They've angered planners, her and Grant Bovey, uh, by putting up a large timber shed in their garden. Anthea's written a letter to Elmbridge Council asking for retrospective consent. And she says, first, may I apologise for assuming a garden shed which was replacing a previous structure, although larger, did not need planning permission. I'm hoping to bring this matter of a practical garden shed to a swift and amicable conclusion. And once again, apologise. She's, she's so irritating. She's so irritating. Just watching her fold towels makes me feel like throwing things at uh, the screen. And um, she says here, the couple were famously ordered, of course, to rip up their half a million pound floodlit tennis court. Something irritating about Anthea Turner. She was irritating on the television. She was irritating and patronising. And she's just a little bit... She's very good friends with Richard and Judy, apparently. Kind of all fit into... What an odd, an odd relationship that is. Very bizarre, isn't it? No, she, she, she's definitely one of my... Uh, one of the people on my list. And uh, just having a quick look at She's just seeing if OK Magazine have got anything of any interest... No, they haven't. There you go. Let's sorted that one out. Thank you very much indeed. 84850-steve-at-lbc.co.uk. Oh, right. Oh, it's not very many, is it? Not very many, really. Oh, right. It's only a day. Yeah, normally, it would go quicker than that, I would think. He says. <laughs> I shall watch with interest. See how long it lasts. Uh, the full scale of, um, of the horror of, of a girl knifed to death in a park by a woman... Hits the front pages of most of the papers. A 13-year-old girl was knifed in front of <coughs> in front of other people. And how the high street measures up. Now, we've done this before because ladies, and it, it applies mainly to... Oh, it applied to me the other day. Oh, I did something yesterday. It nearly made me cry. It, I did something which I thought was just so ordinary. And, and I'll tell you about it a bit later. But it was, I did something in Marks and Spencers. I've, I've never done before, but I had a feeling I was going to do it yesterday. And I did it. And, uh, and it nearly made me cry. I'll, t- I'll tell you about it later. Anyway, so they've got... <laughs> nothing like sort of keeping something going on the back burner. Um, so, so all you ladies, you go out, you pick up all these clothes off, off the rack, and then you take them in and you put them on, and you go, well, this is normally my size, why doesn't it fit? And it turns out that all over the high street, um, the sizes are different. For example, uh, if you go to, uh, to French Connection, and uh, you're a size 10... Uh, that's waist 27.6 inches, hips 37.4. In Jaeger, a size 10 is 35.8 on the bust, 28 on the waist and 38.2 on the hips. So they all vary a little, a little tiny bit. And they've been through all of them. Um, because to be honest, a 20, how lovely to have a 27 inch waist. Sorry, I'm just reading it, feeling sort of deep, deep envy here. And it, it turns out, it's, I think it's called vanity sizing. So, in other words, you think that you're buying, and you go, of course, I'm a size 10. And then you suddenly realise you're not really a size 10 at all, you're really a size 12. Whereas men, it's much easier for us, because we just go small, medium, large, extra large, XXL large. And then there's something a little, a bit above that. I went into Marks and Spencer's yesterday. There's a very officious woman who works in, um, 
who works in Richmond, and she's upstairs in the gents' clothing, and she's got her glasses at the end of her nose, and she's, she's very officious. And I was looking at the socks, trying to find my, my socks. And I said to my friend Graham, who was buying some cashmere jumpers, or cashmere or whatever they're called in there, and, uh, and they had socks for men, I've never seen them before, for a size 14 shoe. I said, they don't even sell size 14 shoes. And so this woman, very officious woman, black hair, there's more socks round the corner, she goes. I go, oh, right, thank you. Very officious. Don't, never looks at you when, when she serves you. She's, uh, she's quite clearly been in retail a long while and she's a little bit long in the tooth. But uh, there's socks round the corner, she goes. But then, of course, I had to go to Kingston because it was in Kingston that I did my, my good deed. It was, such, it was such a nice thing, actually. It was such a nice thing to do. I don't know why I did it. I've got no idea why I did it, but I, I just did it. And it uh, made me feel a little bit better. Uh, there's a woman here. Who is that? Oh, it's Caroline Spellman. And she's a cabinet minister. She's, she's won a gagging order to hush up private information concerning her teenage son. She was granted a high court injunction banning publication of a story about 17-year-old Johnny, a promising rugby player. The nature of the story can't be disclosed, but uh, Mr Justice Lindblom said it contained sensitive personal information regarding which the boy was entitled to privacy. Good Lord, it's unbelievable, isn't it? What privacy would a 17-year-old expect? Of course, I'm now intrigued by the story. I'm now fascinated by somebody who's a very promising rugby player. What, what could possibly be the story that you would go to court? Good news, incidentally, for, uh, for the weed smokers. Paul McCartney has finally uh, given up cannabis for his little girl. He's 69. He's been smoking cannabis for donkey's years, which probably accounts for his strange idea of getting married to that ghastly Heather Mills. And, uh, and he said, for the sake of my little girl, who's called Beatrice, uh, I'm giving up cannabis. Oh, at long last. It's been a slow process. Mind you, it's probably kept him going, hasn't it? I should imagine. Uh, other stories in the paper today. I must tell you the story about my, my good deed. I, ha- I have to save it for a little bit later on, because it was something it will touch your heart. I promise you, you'll, you'll go into work today with a little tear in your eye, and you'll probably do something very similar. Something very similar. There's a, a bloke here, and he's a, he's a bus driver. His name's Nigel Keir, and he's another naked hiker. These people who just take all their clothes off and go hiking, we've had them before, and uh, they're always the unattractive ones. Why is it naturous? They're terribly unattractive. Anyway, he, he was sort of jogging along his favourite... Uh, his favourite beauty path with, with nothing on. And who did he bump into? An off-duty policeman. And the off-duty policeman, because he was only wearing a rucksack and walking boots. Uh, PC Buxton told the magistrates he felt shock and horror at the naked man in front of him and decided it was duty-bound to arrest 41-year-old Nigel Keir. He ordered him to take out some clothes from the rucksack and put them on. Keir initially refused to believe PC Buxton was a police officer as he was dressed in jogging gear, but eventually he agreed to put his clothes on and accompany him to, uh, to a nearby car park when fellow officers arrived. And he was fined 150 quid the other day uh, after he was found guilty of causing alarm or distress. Must be a bit of a drippy police officer who felt shock and horror at a naked man walking towards it. Have you never seen naked people or something as a policeman? My God, how did he make it through? Apparently it happened... Oh, that's right, happened in Otley in West Yorkshire... You know, not as queer as folk in Otley. And they don't like things like that. You walk, you know, you go out there, you, you want to go rambling. You don't expect to see dangly bits in front of your face. It's not nice, is it? Kind of frightens the sheep and everything else. Uh, he said, I saw a dark middle-aged man with short dark hair who was slightly overweight. He was wearing nothing but a pair of walking boots and a backpack and I could c- quite clearly see his things on display. Well, he would do, he was naked. So, I don't know. Whilst waiting for the police, the gentleman made a remark that he'd been scoring 15 nil until he met me. He said he'd come across 15 people that afternoon, and out of everyone he'd walked past, nobody had had a negative comment. Therefore, it was 15 nil. But you get a policeman, 
And uh, PC Buxton, quite clearly not used to seeing things which are disgusting, you know, like a naked person walking towards you. <laughs> Honestly, you'd think they'd have better things to do, wouldn't you? I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind, but I think he was, um, I think he was trying to raise money for charity. Well, at some point he was trying to raise money for charity on this particular walk. I mean, but people wouldn't. I mean, if I sort of walked into this building in the morning and, and somebody walked towards me with no, with no clothes on, I mean, I'd just say morning. Probably have a little laugh to myself at the same, you know. Imagine half the news desk turning up with no clothes on this morning. But I mean, I don't, it wouldn't make any difference if I was out rambling. I mean, I, I went naked cycle riding in Vienna and that's always very entertaining. You can, yeah, Absolutely. All along the banks of the Danube, just outside of Vienna, it's all, it's all nude. You know, the Viennese don't bat an eyelid. They really don't. Honestly, you could be standing there with a giant Wurst in your hand and nobody would say a word. Nobody would say a word to you. And so you can go and rent bikes. <coughs> I have to be honest, you don't, don't fancy sitting on the saddle for much of the time. But, um, and, you, and you go cycling along the banks of the Danube. <laughs> That's what we did. We went cycling on the banks of the Danube, and it's, it's nude. Mind you, they, they've got swimming pools in Vienna, which are nude now. Nude swimming pools. It's quite exciting, isn't it? I'll tell you who, who died the other day. James Whittaker. Diana fondly nicknamed him the Big Red Tomato, because he drank uh, like a fish, and he had one of those big, ruddy complexions. He was in his 70s, apparently, and uh, I heard it yesterday, and uh, I remember seeing him on television, actually. I was never a big fan of James Whittaker. He was just another royal correspondent. They all got lucky. If you were a royal correspondent, you got lucky if you were around at the same time as Diana, because she made good copy. But I remember him turning up to something, and he'd, he didn't know about something that had gone on in Diana's life, because he was too busy writing his own book. And uh, it turns out that he, he, he was sort of keeping certain stuff for himself even though he was paid as a royal correspondent. But they all talked a load of twaddle, the royal correspondent. Nobody knew what the royals were like at all. Because behind closed doors, you know, it was completely different. But uh, here he is in the paper today. Uh, he was 71, and then uh, Buckingham Palace. Because they've actually put on the front page, the palace lead the tributes to the legendary royal reporter. They did when they were phoned up and told. You know, then they go, it's, it's very sad and very sorry. But then you could probably get that. We told them my auntie Enid had died. Uh, lots on uh, Whitney Houston. I think they're going to be talking about this forever and ever, that she was a secret lesbian. A bit of a trouble, the secret lesbian thing the other day on the programme, because uh, I don't think there's any such thing as a secret lesbian. I think you're either a lesbian or you're not a lesbian. It's a, it's, I could be a secret lesbian. It's like being secret squirrel, isn't it, or something like that. And, uh, and if she's not here, it doesn't, doesn't really, you can say anything you like about her. She might have been a secret naturist. I've got no idea. Uh, more on Cher Lloyd, described by one of the columnists today as just a bit of a buffoon. Yes, exactly, Cher. Very shortly, you'll be going, do you want fries with that? Or, you know, shall I go and stack the beans up on the shelf? Because I don't really see you having a successful career. You know why? Because there's another, um, there's another X Factor coming up and another Britain's Got Talent, and uh, you're just going to get forgotten, I'm afraid, Poppet. You're just going to get pushed to one side. Although the other thing we've all got to contend with very shortly is uh, Cheryl. You're all right, Cole's uh, new album, produced by Will I Am who's uh, trying to keep his own career afloat at the moment. Now he's got to worry about hers. I wonder what show they'll actually get her on that she can mime... Sorry, sing on. And, um, and uh, depart part singing. Part singing. Still trying to work out whether or not Dolly Parton was singing live the other day. And I, I watched it again last night. And, you know, I can't quite get my head around it. I watched it three or four times. And she appears to be singing it, but it's just going through a different mixer. It's going through some sort of system. And I can't work out whether or not it is actually what you heard at the O2... When she was over here doing Dolly Live from London. I should have asked Christo about it, because he's the, he's the all-seeing oracle on Dolly Parton. 
I wonder why that is. I bet he's even got one of the pink Stetsons. They sell pink Stetsons. Somebody bought one and, and brought it in for me, which I, I, I do keep it in the bedroom. I don't wear it very often, but I look particularly good in a Stetson, actually, I have to be said. OK, what we'll do, we'll take a short break. Uh, we'll come back, uh, 0845 6060 973, steve at lbc.co.uk or 84850, because the time now is 4.30. Morning, 28 minutes to five. <laughs> This morning's latest... Do you know, there's a picture in the paper today that has sickened me to my stomach. And it's of a, of a lady uh, called Angela Major, I think it is. M-A-Y-G-E-R. Angela Major lives in East Yorkshire. And she's 73. And she opened her door the other day and two men punched her in the face. They laid into her so badly she was beaten black and blue with her walking stick. And... Uh, I, mean, I just... You just cannot believe that somebody could ever do this to a pensioner. I mean, it's it's just... It's so horrific. It's so appalling that this lady should have suffered anything like this from anybody. Two people have been uh, have been charged. One 19 and one 22. And they punched her in the face. She's 73, for God's sake. I mean, you feel like... You know, when they turn up in court, you just, you just feel like turning up and just... Just giving them a taste of their own medicine. It's just appalling. It is just appalling. I mean, you know, this this woman did nothing wrong. She just happened to answer the door and they beat her black and blue with her walking stick. She says, uh, I felt like I'd been battered, but my legs were quivering, although I think I must have been quite tough. I was very frightened. I was in shock afterwards, but I'm, I'm all right now. My face looks a bit of a mess, but I'm fortunate, really. They were actually posing as routine callers. Do you know, I think hanging is too good for this, this pair. When you look at this poor, this poor pair, which actually makes my story even more apropos when I tell you about my good deed for yesterday. It's not a particularly good deed. I just quite liked doing it. But it, it ties in nicely with that story of that lovely... I hope, I hope somebody reads that story in the paper and sends her big bunches of flowers and I hope her neighbours rally round her and look after her because we don't do anything like that, do we, nowadays? We're just absolutely dreadful. Do you know, in Liverpool, it's illegal... For a woman to be topless, except as a clerk in a tropical fish store. So that's okay, isn't it? And apparently in Scotland, if somebody knocks on your door and requires the use of your toilet, you must let them enter. These are these very archaic laws that have never been repealed. Apparently, in the UK, a pregnant woman can legally relieve herself anywhere she wants, including in a policeman's helmet. I don't know how many policemen are going to go for that one. In Chester, Welshmen were once banned from entering the city before sunrise and from staying after sunset. Well, I can understand that one. We all understand that one, don't we? 84850, uk. Apparently, Joey says Jordan Marsh has a band and, um... I don't know, I've lost the one, I think. Uh, Jordan has a band. I occasionally go to see him at a gig. He's very nice and usually dedicates a song to me. I met him when I auditioned for one of his sister's TV shows. Oh, God. It's a shame what Jodie's doing to her body, but she, her brother and the parents, have always been very nice to me. I know she's just an embarrassment, I'm afraid. I always thought Jodie Marsh was a bit of a waste of space. A total waste of space. It's just, you know, I thought she was ghastly on everything she ever popped up. But she has no talent. That's the trouble. I don't have any problem with sort of people who have talent. You know, people who sort of actually can do something. She can't do anything at all. She just, you know, just... Phew, dreadful, dreadful, dreadful. Uh, Karen says... I don't... Oh... Oh, so, so, sorry, sent to Anthony Davis, actually. Karen in Surbiton's a naturist. No, funny, we were talking about naturism this morning, and all of a sudden, that pops up. There's a man in the papers today, and um, I'll, I'll mention his name. He's Kevin Upchurch. It sounds like it's sort of made up a bit, doesn't it, really? Uh, t- he has collected 
Every single UK number one since the charts began in 1952. He's got 1,100 hits, which span vinyl, cassette, CD and MP3s, all stored in his Kent flats. And now he's going to sell them. They're going to go under the hammer later this... <coughs> excuse me, later this month. And I'm assuming they'll actually do quite well. I like the cases. Do you remember those cases that used to keep your singles and your albums in? And um, he's hoping to make a five-figure sum. I bet they don't go for as much. There'll be certain ones which will be, uh, which will be sort of collector's items. It's the fact that many of them are on vinyl, which is lovely. The very first, I think, uh, single, which was number one, was Anne Shelton. Hands up those who remember. Yes, I thought so. 1952, The Loveliest Night of the Year. Then we had Peddy, Perry Como, Eddie Calvert, with that song, Oh, my papa, for me you are so beautiful. Ruby Murray, who was a guest on LBC many, many years ago. Thought she succumbed to the drink, softly, softly. Dean Martin, Guy Mitchell singing the blues. Shirley Bassey, Anthony Newley, Elvis Presley. Do you know, I thought to myself the other day, I was standing at the bus stop and I suddenly thought, all these people who, who, who died, Elvis Presley, Michael Jackson... Whitney Houston, what have they all got in common? Apart from the fact that they all took prescription drugs. Elvis Presley died, of course, on the floor of his bathroom. So I suppose there's a sort of a semi-bathroom link. Uh, Michael Jackson died in bed. Whitney Houston uh, died in the bath. But what else do they all have in common? And it only struck me yesterday. I was sort of standing at the bus stop musing and thinking, Elvis Presley, Michael Jackson, Whitney Houston, what have they all got in common? They were all bankrupt. They were all brassic. Elvis Presley, his father Vernon, had made a very bad deal over here with some con men. And Elvis Presley, as RCA said afterwards, when on news of his death leaked out, good career move, because the moment you die, your, your record sales go up. Michael Jackson was going on tour because he had no money at all. Costs a lot of money to live like these people. And uh, so that's why he was going, yeah, I'll do that, yeah, I'll do that, yeah, I'll do that, I'll do that. And it would have been a great tour. You know, had it ever taken off, but sadly his little body couldn't cope with it. And uh, and Whitney Houston, living on handouts. She'd got through a hundred million on, presumably, not just drink and drugs, even though they probably account for a fair share of it, the hanger-oners. Every single one of these people had hanger-oners. The people who stood there and formed part of the entourage who needed paying. On a Friday, Elvis Presley's team would stand up there with their hands out... And they would all be paid by Vernon. They were, they were part of the entourage. So to have people going, oh, you're marvellous, you're wonderful, you're paid for the privilege. It's a bit like round here, and we've just got the producer to pay for, and she don't cost too much. You know, sometimes just an occasional sort of bun or something like that. She's quite happy with that, you know. I'm fine for that. There's no point in sort of, you know, making it vulgar by offering money. If I offered her £1,000 a week, she'd turn it down. She's that sort of person, you know. She doesn't want the money, she doesn't need the money. What would she spend it on? Heavens above, you know, more clothes, more fast cars, stuff like that. But uh, all these people all died broke. So, in other words, in fact, Whitney Houston never even had a recording contract. Because the last time she appeared singing, she was so blooming awful. But, and that was on The X Factor. You remember it in America? Oh, God, she was awful. She really was dreadful. And so, lovely voice she had. But uh, the, the years of the drink and the drugs, I'm afraid, just kind of ruined it. But they all died broke. And uh, ever since, you know, now she'll, she'll make the charts this weekend. And no doubt she'll have between five and uh, ten entries. And that will swell the coffer. What the money goes to, I've got no idea. Is she still married to Bobby Brown? The family, incidentally, don't want him anywhere near the funeral. And the funeral's going to be held this Saturday, 12 o'clock. Are they divorced? Yeah, well, I don't know. Does she do a will? I mean, who, you've got no idea with these people what, what the money goes to. Michael Jackson has generated oh, hundreds of millions since he died. Because people are fascinated. Elvis Presley's estate keeps going purely 
on the fact it was Elvis Presley, Graceland. I mean, that was that was all all down to the ex-wife, who turned the estate round. I mean, it was it was practically on its last legs. The moment he died, they then decided to open up as a, as a tourist attraction, and now I think it's almost one of the the top ten tourist attractions in America, because people want to go to see the house. It's a very uninspiring house. When you go inside it, it's very disappointing. There's been various documentaries. Probably buy one on Amazon, I should imagine, and go round Elvis Presley's house. It's all it's all tastefully done in that 60s stroke 70s style, which means lots of leopard print and stuff like that everywhere. Quite vulgar. And it's a pool and he's got aeroplanes parked outside there. And taking care of business is written on the side of one of them. But die broke. No money whatsoever. But he never knew. He just carried on performing. He trotted up to Vegas. He did his act, but uh, they needed to have a turnaround. He hadn't had a record in the charts for donkey's years. When he died, they were able to reissue everything. RCA went through the vaults. Exactly the same for Michael Jackson. Everything came out, and here is stuff that you've never heard before. Here are some songs he wrote. They milk it for as long as they can, and they'll do exactly the same for Whitney Houston. Because it'll probably be the only time in years that she'll ever actually generate an income for anybody. And Sony will probably do very, very well out of it. 84850, uk. Let's have a quick chat. I was going to tell you the uh, the weather for today, actually. I was just trying to find the uh, the weather. Where is the weather? Where's the weather gone to? Uh, oh, here it is. Just in case. Ca- oh, goodness, it's not going to rain today. Mostly dry, but cloudy at times. I must tell you about my really good thing I did yesterday. I did this thing yesterday, and it was... I'll, have to, I'll, I'll tell you later on. But it's, it's, I've, I've, I didn't feel proud of myself for doing it, but I just I felt a bit good. You know when you walk out of somewhere and you think you're swelling with pride, and yet it was the stupidest thing ever. I'll tell you about it later. Uh, so, mostly dry, cloudy at times. Maximum 10 centigrade, about the same as yesterday. Uh, currently it's 7. Tonight, cloudy, overnight, dry for much of the time. Little light rain or drizzle is also possible. Tomorrow, generally cloudy, mostly dry day. Little light rain or drizzle possible at times. Mild again, but breezy. I thought it was breezy yesterday. Because I went out. Isn't it funny? Every time I mention something on this programme, I go out to try and buy it, and the blooming thing sold out. So, yesterday... I go to Marks and Spencer's when I finish. I go home and I'm trying to find the chicken and broccoli with mashed potato in a, in a cheese sauce, which is part of their range. It's, it's not very expensive. It's only like £2.60 or something, but it's really nice. And it's very tasty. And if you put it under the grill, then the mashed potato crisps up on the top and everything. And I had two more bowls of my cauliflower soup yesterday. I was having, I was having a bit of a binge day. But then I ran out of these pies. So I, I looked yesterday in Marks and Spencer's. They didn't have any. So lunchtime, I go to Richmond... Have a look through there, because it's slightly bigger than, than the one we've got in Twickenham. And they didn't have it there anyway, so I thought, right, I'll come. I'll go to Kingston. So I traipsed all the way to Kingston, park, you know, underground, desperately trying to remember where I parked the car. It's always very difficult when you park at John Lewis, because it's got two floors, and I have to come remember which floor I'm on, because otherwise you come back and you think somebody's nicked the car. And so I came out, I found the car, anyway, so I parked the car, and then I go to Marks and Spencer's, and they've got one one of these blooming pies on the shelf. So I said to one of the... Why do they always... People look at you and say, you're stupid in Marks and Spencers. So I said to the bloke in there, who appeared to be stacking shelves, I held up my, my little pie, and I said, excuse me, have you got any more of these? And so he goes back to the shelf where I've just picked it up. He said, whereabouts did you get it from? So I said, there. So he looks on the shelf, and of course, for Auntie, he was, no, we, we haven't got any. And I felt like saying, well, I've just... I've, what do you think I've asked you for? I've just picked it up off the shelf... And I've said, do you have any more of these? I mean, quite clearly, it's no good looking at the same shelf I've just been on, because there aren't any. Anyway, and then I did my, my good deed, which I'll tell you a bit later. So anyway, I go back home, feeling a little bit despondent, but I did pick up Toad in the Hole, which was quite nice, because I quite fancied some th- th- three sausages and a, and a giant batter thing. And, and I nip over the road to, to our Marks and Spencer's to go and get some fruit, 
What have they got? A whole shelf full of these blasted pies now. They've had a delivery, so I bought three. Which cleared them out again, so we're back where we started. So it's no good going out today trying to find them, because I've already bought them. OK? Makes me feel a bit better about life. Well, sort of a little bit better. Uh, glad you spotted my car, too, says Noreen. I can know you're, uh, you're writing anywhere. Actually, I, I, I wrote um, a card to somebody the other day, and somebody said to me, he said, I knew it was you. I said, how do you know? He said, I recognise your writing. And we always try and disguise our writing, don't we? Love to little Julie, not too well. And to anyone else with the dreaded bug that's doing the rounds. She says, I'm on day 12. Listen, I've still got the, the sore throat. I've still got the sore throat. But it's, it's a lot better. Although, strangely, as you probably discovered from the free podcast yesterday, we get through the whole programme here with only a few little coughing, you know, I was going to say scenes. And then I go into the other studio, <coughs> sit down, Within 30 seconds, I'm coughing for the world. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Uh, off to get Josh at 6.45, says Noreen. Take him on a bus trip. Not up to tearing around and playing games. I know. It doesn't actually make you feel ill, this this sort of cough and cold, does it? It just It's just annoying. It's just annoying. It's, it's certainly annoying me, I promise you. That's annoying me quite a bit. Quite a bit. Uh, Annie says, what was the Rod Stewart song? I think it was just Maggie May. I think it was Maggie May, where all Rod Stewart people go, wake up, Maggie, and they sing along to it. Yeah, and then they do the hands in the air. They're all a bit, all a bit sad, I'm afraid. Uh, one here that says, uh, morning, Steve, rich list again, never mind. Big win on the Euro Millions and we'll be fine, says Lynn. I know, there's no, no mention of my name anywhere. Fat boy, fat Eamon Holmes at the top with 2.8 million. Mind you, he's never off the television. He's, he's got to capitalise, I suppose. Can't go forever, please, God. Please, God, it can't go forever. Uh, I was interested to hear, says Paul, that you watched the programme about the Queen. Actually, we'll, 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 I'll come back to that in a moment, because otherwise I get into trouble if I, if I overstep my marks. So i better tell you very quickly, in case, you're, in case, in case you're clock-watching, it's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast. It's LBC 97.3, and it's quarter to five. This is LBC 97... 13 minutes to five. So, just going back to this uh, programme about the Queen, which is very interesting... Very, very interesting. Andrew Marr, says Paul, isn't one of my favourite correspondents, but I think he did a reasonable job. Whilst watching I was intrigued by this rather plump, grey-haired bloke, who I thought seemed to be talking a lot of rubbish on trading with the Arabic countries. It was only on closer inspection I realised that it was Prince Andrew. He hasn't aged very well. In contrast, I thought Prince Edward had actually improved. Uh, did like the fact that Fergie's daughter was falling over herself to show the country the Queen's Wendy house. But the bit where she was struggling to squeeze into the thing looked like an illustration from Alice in Wonderland. Yes, very. It's, 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 I've seen that house before, but they've just spent money doing it all up. And uh, obviously, somebody said, "Oh, you know, do you want to be on the television?" Uh, oh yes, oh yes, we'd love to be on the television. Can we be on the television? Yes, and Daddy's going to be on the television. But uh, but the best one has been Prince William. I haven't seen Prince Charles talking yet. But they, have you noticed they always refer to the Queen as the Queen or Her Majesty? They never refer to her as Mummy or anything like that. There's never any. You know, because you, you get the feeling. And when Harry was talking about the Queen, he said, you know, when she comes into the room, it's always, you know, she lights up the place and, you know, you know if you've done it right or wrong because she's been doing it for so many years. I think she, I've lost track of how many times she's opened Parliament. And, uh, and she knows everything. She knows exactly what to do. But her, her, her limitations are on small talk. She's not very good at small talk. We saw that the other day when she had various prime ministers. I mean, she never liked Margaret Thatcher. But there again, I mean, that seemed to be for the whole country, practically. Uh, Tony Blair was a bit smarmy. And uh, all I kept thinking was, every time I saw John Major, I kept thinking, does she know you're having a fling with Edwina Curry? I just, just the kind of thing you think about. Do you think word had filtered back to Her Majesty that uh, that man sitting in front of you is cheating on his wife with Edwina Curry for, for many, many years? And that's the only thing I, I kept thinking of. But I do like some of the, uh, 
some of the palaces. I think the palaces are really quite nice, actually. But um, it says, if you were to go to your favourite chippy, this is Paul again, you could buy a steak and kidney pudding and chips, but the owner could be prosecuted if he sold you a fish. There you go. And on the subject of people we've lost, songwriter Dory Previn, one of the latest, she was, uh, along with her ex-husband, wrote the music to the film Valley of the Dolls. She was 86 years old. Andre, only a few years younger, in my mind's eye, still the youngish man with the orchestra and Morecambe and Wise. Good Lord, is he still going? Is he still going? Andre Previn, he's not still going, Andre Previn, is he? Good grief, honestly. Yes, you're right, we used to see him all the time, didn't we, on the Morecambe and Wise show. Halfway through Anne's lovely Coco van last night, says Bryn, all the lights went out, thrusting us into total darkness. Half of Palmer's Green and large bits of Southgate were blacked out completely which was the second time this week. First time it lasted three hours. So there we were in pitch black, except for a couple of scented candles, munching our supper and a bottle of Rioja. Very romantic. So at 7.30, expecting it to last for hours, we went to bed and fell asleep. I believe the lights came on again around 7.45, which means that at 4am, we're wide awake and listening to your happy and amazing chatter. And amusing, sorry. We've just had tea and toast at this ungodly hour and enjoying hearing you. How you get up so early every day beats us. I don't know that either, actually. I wish I knew the answer, because Christo was complaining bitterly about how difficult it is to sleep. And uh, he, he, he climbs into bed, then he has a couple of hours sleep, and then he wakes up to go to the toilet, but he's not diabetic, and then he goes back to bed again, then he wakes up again. So he's going to the toilet every two hours. In fact, his toilet habits are roughly akin to my Aunt Enid's. Uh, although, luckily, she's now had a bag fitted, so she doesn't even need to get out of bed for it. And uh, perhaps we could have one fitted for Christo. And so, so there, there they all were chatting away last night about how difficult it is to sleep. And I kept thinking, well, I wake up as well, but I do go back to sleep quite quickly. And I do doze during the daytime, so I will doze when I go back today. And I'm seeing Lynn, my friend, and uh, we're sorting out some wine. Because what we do is she orders wine and then we split the, the case between us. It's a lot easier, well, I say case, case is. It's easier to buy in bulk, and then we just split the order. We have it, have it delivered. Saves having to trudge around the supermarket, I've decided. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk, or 0845 What do you collect in the light of this man I mentioned, Kevin Upchurch, and his, uh, his huge haul of records and CDs and MP3 players? He's, he's, he's got it all. He's got over a thousand number one singles since they first began, and he's putting them up for auction. Do people still collect anything? I mean, I'm I'm actually collecting fifty pound notes at the moment. I haven't actually got very far, but I, I have got some twenty pound notes, and perhaps I might, I might sort of trade up. I used to like having a fifty pound note in my wallet. I used to try and save it for as long as possible. Unfortunately, it's not that easy in this day and age, is it? When you've got to go out and buy socks and stuff like that. And uh, so, I wonder what you collect: collect toy cars, collect records. Collect radio programmes. I bet there's many of you collect radio program recordings. They always say that people who phone up radio stations record themselves and then they actually mark it down. They go, this was me talking to Bob Holness. This was me talking to Mike Dickin. This was me talking to Steve Allen. No, sorry, this was Steve Allen talking to me. And, and things like that. So I wonder what, what you collect. As, as children, we did stamp collecting. God, that was boring. Stamp collecting was the most dull thing ever. You know, let's get the stamp album out. Let's go hang ourselves instead. And so I used to collect toy cars. I never knew what happened to them. I think my mother gave them away to a charity shop. They'd be worth a fortune now. If I'd saved, my, my brother used to save them as well. He used to have the, I used to have the models of yesteryear in their boxes, and you'd take them out of the box. If we'd saved everything, they would be worth money. Because you go to some of these collector's fairs, and you think, I had that. Blimey, I had that. The Chipperfield Circus set. I had all of them. And then, you know, as, as kids, you played with them. And now people spray them up again, and they go for, it's like a £1,000 for some of them. 
Really expensive. Very, very expensive. So I wonder what you collect. I know some people collect dolls. In fact, I know a bloke and he collects Barbies. And he's got a huge collection of, of Barbies. I collect magic. I collect magic. I like, I like going onto different websites. I've got all sorts of things, you know, from very expensive pieces of uh, magic. I can't tell you about them, actually, because, that's, because the reason they're expensive is because of, of, uh, of who actually made them. And so I've got lots of, of collectible pieces and I've got lots of collectible posters and I've got uh, one of Houdini's keys and, all, you know, all sorts of little things, which I've had to mark for people, because otherwise, you know, if, if I sort of pop my clogs this weekend, they'll just come in and clear everything. It'll be like a house clearance. They'll be going, oh, we don't want this, throw that out, this. I'll be going, no, no, don't. Especially if, you you know, you, you believe that you can watch everything that's going on. So what do you collect? He's, he's a real record breaker because he collects records. And I wonder really if there's something you collect. Unless you follow a particular artiste, you know, like uh, Christo follows Dolly Parton. I think she's got a restraining order out now, so that's OK. But because, um, I mean, he, he would be a stalker. He knows everything about Dolly Parton, everything. But that's, that's not at all surprising, is it, really? As he walks slightly, slightly to the left. And, uh, and she likes a lot of fans like that, and he wears a lot of... Lot of quite bright colours. And he goes to Mykonos and all. He was telling us about Mykonos again, when he said this morning, obviously hearing us yesterday, taking the Mickey out of him. When he goes back to the same place every year, he said, I get there. He said, They all know me in the guest house. He said, I go down, I pick up, he, he picks up this four by four, like a little sort of jeep or something, so he can go round the island. You can just imagine him bobbing around, can't you, in the seat of this thing as he bobs round Mykonos. And they all know him in the cafe and all the bars, they know what he has to drink. And I thought, Oh, I don't, I don't think that's such, such a good idea, is it? I don't know, actually. It might be for some of you, because we did discover some people this morning. And um, and they also go back to the same places. So collecting this morning. What do you collect? Toy cars? Memorabilia from celebrities? Do you collect autographs? Anything like that? 0845 973 And are you still supporting the kids? You know when you, you sort of you hope that the kids are going to leave home, and then when they've left home, you go, I wish they'd not left home, it makes it quite quiet. Are you still, you're still helping them out financially? When they come back, you go, that's £20 for yourself. Go and look after yourself. Go and buy yourself something with, with 20 quid. I wonder really whether or not you're still doing that. If you're one of those sort of slightly older people, and the kids just won't leave home. Don't you feel, you feel like pushing them out the front door, changing the locks and moving very quickly? 0845 973 And apparently Miranda... Has stolen the hearts of the nation. She's a comedienne, and uh, and they say here she's uh, Miranda Hart looks set to crack Hollywood. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, I, I think she must appeal to women more than men. I think. I know. Well, there you go. Holly doesn't get it either. So, so obviously, I see. I don't. I mean, she's six foot one. I don't see it. I don't know why. Perhaps it's just one of those sort of things. They say here that she's you know big rising star. She's in this uh, Call the Midwife programme, which is very good. You know, she, she does very good at playing plain. And um, she lost her father in the Falklands War. And, uh, you know, th- there's, a, there's a bit of tragedy and despair. But I just don't see the comedy myself. I can't, can't quite get, get to grips with it. I don't know. Perhaps it's just not for me. Perhaps it's just not for me. Falklands War veteran Simon Weston has told Hollywood star Sean Penn to shut up after the actor criticised. Sean who? Sean who? Nobody's interested in Sean Penn. A little non-entity. Nobody cares. Nobody cares about you, Sean. But uh, we'll welcome you into the country with open arms and a straight jacket if you uh, if you come over here any time soon. Be expecting us to go and see the films, will you? Of course you will. Read the elderly lady in Yorkshire, Steve, who was battered with her own walking stick. You're absolutely right. 
Scum like this do not deserve the right to live amongst law-abiding people like us. It makes me question whether society went wrong. It doesn't make me question where society went wrong. It makes me question what sort of person could actually punch an old lady of 73 in the face. I mean, that, that's the first thing. I mean, I'm sincerely hoping that uh, somebody gives them a taste of their own medicine. I, can't, I mean, I, I just don't... I just you can't even comprehend it, which makes my story of what I did yesterday even more, even more, you know, apropos for today. It's something that you, you could all do later on. It won't cost you very much, and, and you'll feel really good about it. Oh, Lord. Then we're talking about Elvis Presley. Somebody just sold his crown. It's a dental mould of the king's mouth with a spare crown up for sale. They were in between six and ten grand. Oh, who on earth is going to buy that? being sold by Omega Auctions of Stockport in Greater Manchester. Spokesman Paul Fairweather said it's the only one in existence and we expect there to be considerable interest. Oh, great. Why do you want to buy one of the King's teeth? It's a... Cr- oh, I can't even think of anything worse. I cannot think of anything worse. Oh, and by the way, we, we are praying for rain. Well, I'm not praying for rain, but apparently the water bosses are praying for rain because it's the third dry winter in a row. Where does all the snow go, then? When that all melts, doesn't that, doesn't that turn back to water? We're still hoping that the hate cleric, Abu Qatada, rather nasty piece of work, is going to be kicked out of Britain. We're hoping within a, uh, within a matter of days. You'll hear it first on LBC 97.3. And um, I, I love the, these sort of things that they, they throw. Oh, Faye Toza has opened up about the Steps reunion, insisting it was only logical that the five-piece should put any differences behind them as a ten-year anniversary was going to happen with or without them. Oh, God. I mean, the very idea that steps are back together and have sold sold tickets is almost too horrendous. I mean, I'm assuming they've all run out of money. Can't think of any other reason. Uh, we don't know anything about them, though, do we, really? Claire, Claire Richards, Ian H. Watkins. Didn't he go to America? Sadly came back again. Because he, he was having an affair with the manager at one point. Because when he came out as gay, we all, fell off the, we all fell off the fence on that one. He's gay. Ian H. Watkins from Steps is gay. Good heavens above. Lee Latchford Evans, poor soul, never featured on many of the records. He was there miming along, but he just didn't feature on the vocals. Poor soul. Although they had a woman on the television yesterday, Heidi somebody from the Sugar Babes, and she was in the original version of, um... What was that group from Liverpool? God, bear the Liverpool accent. And, um, it had uh, Kerry Katona in. What was that? The Atomic Kitten. Apparently she was in the original of Atomic Kitten, and, uh, and Kerry Katona was in there as well. Although uh, Kerry Katona, as you know, never sang on any of the hits. She'd already left the group. They suddenly realised that the poor woman had no talent whatsoever. <laughs> but there you go. Show business, isn't it, ladies and gentlemen? News at five is next. We're back in a second. On FM. On- morning, Thursday morning. It's four minutes past five. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast on LBC 97.3. Coming to you live, beaming out from Leicester Square. Trying to explain that. Whenever you, when you have to put, put the address of Leicester Square, and you put Leicester Square, London, and then it goes where? And then you have to put Greater London underneath that. See, anyway, otherwise computers just throw it back at you. It's, it's completely mad, isn't it? Completely balmy mad. Anyway, this morning we're talking about collections. Uh, things that you uh, collect. And, uh, and, and things that you, uh, that you have as, as collections. Um, Lee says, I collect old German coins and banknotes. We used to, um, we used to collect things like that. Do you know, it, it's, it really is, you know, quite, quite, quite right, isn't it, really? When you sort of say to somebody, I think I'm going to start a collection of coins, or I'm going to start a collection of this, or I'm going to start a collection of that. Because you, you, you've only got to start with one or two things, like posters. I collect theatre posters. And um, I think that's actually quite good. Oh, somebody here, 
says, um, he says, oh, somebody's putting, slagging off genuine legends such as Elvis Presley and, Whit- and Whitney Houston. It wasn't slagging off, I'm t- they're, they're facts. They died bankrupt. Elvis Presley was bankrupt. Known fact. Known fact. That's exactly what it was, a known fact. She was, uh, you know, she was there. This is, uh, I think it's Alan in Maidstone. And, uh, it's, uh, it's, 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 or Alan in Craneford, or Alan in Tunbridge. I don't think he's... Then go and, and then go and start finding out these things. They all died broke. Elvis Presley was broke, died on his bathroom floor, because he'd taken so many prescription drugs. And, uh, don't believe me? Go get the autopsy report out. But, of course, uh, never let the truth spoil a good story, eh? Whoopee! Uh, have you told us about the good deed yet, says Claire on Canvey Island? Uh, no. I'm going to tell you a little... I'm going to make you, <laughs> make you wait for this one this morning. I did it, and I'm, I tell you, it, it just gives you, you know, just such a good feeling. Such a good feeling when, when you do this particular thing. <coughs> one here says, Miranda Hart will not crack Hollywood. Uh, Sean Penn should visit Guantanamo Bay and demand the United States hand the land back to Cuba. And, uh, and uh, Levi... Says, I've got die-cast cars. Um, I've got around 50 of them. Yeah, I have a friend who collects those, those die-cast models as well, which is good. And, uh, and I collect pens, Steve. Collect pe- yes, do you know, collecting pens is quite, um, it's, it, it's quite, a, co- it, it's quite a good thing. There's, there are collectors of pens, and they will pay a small fortune. It's like people that collect watches. I only realised last night, actually... Um, that uh, the bloke who handed in the Cartier watch to the police, nobody claims it within three months, he's actually going to, uh, he's actually going to be given it. Oh. You'd have it sold straight away, wouldn't you? Uh, Steve, I think the first number one was by Al Martino. Oh, God, no, he was way down the list. Al Martino, wait a minute, I can tell you exactly where he was. Um, no, Al Martino was not... Uh, a number one, just going all the way through to 76. Uh, Al Martino, Al Martino. No, not a number one, I'm afraid. Uh, that was Spanish Eyes, wasn't it? No, the very first number one, I'm afraid, was Anne Shelton. And, uh, Al Martino, not in there at all. Not in there at all. Even up to 2012, which is something called Gotti featuring Kimbra. I've never even heard of what that is. I've got no idea what that is. James Whale collects stale cakes left all over his desk by somebody. By somebody called Steve. What, somebody in this building who leaves cakes all over the place. Is that disgraceful? That is just disgraceful. What, there's cakes all over the place? Oh, that's awful. That fat chart. I mean, you know, the, the, the truth of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, James Whale is just jealous. By the time he comes in here, that all he's got are the crumbs. The crumbs. No cakes whatsoever. No cakes whatsoever. Yeah, exactly. Uh, another one here. Oh, it's, it's Shirley Bassey in 59, As I Love You. But no Al Martino, I'm afraid. No Al Martino. Uh, so, we're, we're talking about things that you collect this morning. Things which, which you've collected over the... You might still collect them now. You might still still collect them now. I don't know. I would love to find out what your, what your collection comprises of. On 08456060973. And actually, I think I've done something with my, uh, with my computer here. I've done, uh, I've done something here. And I can't... Um, I, I seem to be all backwards on it. I've got Tuesday at the top of my little list. So we'll sort that out again in, in a moment. Uh, and um, 
the mail on the front page, they've got this, uh, the banks betraying small firms. That is the problem, isn't it, with, uh, with small firms now. And uh, transferring cash as easy as texting. I love transferring cash as easy as texting. And this is where you, you download Pingit app to the smartphone, you register your mobile number and your bank details, and then given a five-digit PIN. I'm not sure about having this on your phone. I don't like this idea of having these sort of things on there, because it's, it says you can send up to £300 a day. I've got um, a system set up, probably many of you have as well, which is... What the dickens is it? It's... I've got a, an online banking account, but if I want to transfer money or I want my bank manager to transfer it, I've got like a little credit card machine. And what I do is he then says, she says to me, um, uh, how, how much do we need to transfer? And I say, we need to transfer money to so-and-so, so-and-so. She says, right, put your, put your card in, in the little machine. So I put the card in and it generates a number. And I then read that number down the phone to her. And then she says, right, now do this, and it generates another number, and that's the guarantee. So nobody can take money out of your account or do anything else with it. You know, it, it just means that it's, it's supposed to be ultra-safe. I'm not sure about having things actually on your phone is a good idea, because the amount of people who lose their phones is just absolutely... You know, you, you find them all over the place. People lose them. And because people put, um, put anything in them, like bank account details... You know, that's that's the big problem. And I don't think you should put that sort of information on there. Uh, uh, Brian, Bryn, Brian, says, will you be having an exclusive conversation with Swedish actress Britt Eklund? No, I won't. No, I won't. Oh, I can't bear Britt Eklund. Um, uh, Frank says, I've got a really old collection of the old-style rail tickets. I wonder if people collect bus tickets. Do people collect bus tickets? Would, 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 would bus tickets be the kind of thing that you could uh, go out and collect nowadays? I think so. Uh, a lot of people collect uh, clothes, don't they? I know lots of, of famous people who've actually got clothes collections, collections of vintage clothes, because they're worth a lot of money. Claire says, I collect card and paper for craft work. Love paper and carpet. Oh, really? Dear, how ghastly. How ghastly. I can't think of it. I, I turned on the television the other day, and there was somebody doing craft pictures on there. You know, if we cut this out, and then you make the... Oh, God, it was just the worst ever. It was absolutely so dreadful. I, had to, I, I sat there watching it. And sort of thinking, do people make these cards? And, and they truly do. They truly sit at home. We do know because we have people around here whose parents make these cards. And so I have to, yes, yeah, seriously. I mean, I'm, you know, and, and they sit down at home and they make these cards, which cost quite a bit of money. They're not cheap. And then, but a card is like, you know, you open up the card, you go, oh, that's nice. I never think if somebody's made it. I never think if they've sat, I mean, I suppose if it keeps them happy, that's fine. But uh, I'm not. I'm not totally convinced <laughs> that it's the way forward. It's so much cheaper to go and buy the blooming things now. Um, Paul says, "What have I missed? H from Steps Gay? No, 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 no. Heavens above! Oh, grief. As they used to say in private eyes, some mistake surely. Nearly on a par with being told, despite rumours, the Pope is definitely a Catholic. You mentioned people singing or not, as the case may be on record. One of the most famous examples before your time, Nudge. It was a group called Five Thousand Volts." Oh, with I'm on Fire. Absolutely. Of course, I remember 5,000 volts. Uh, the lady who fronted the band was Luanne Peters, who was the Australian tourist in Faulty Towers. Yes, I remember Luanne Peters very well indeed. But the song was performed by the, by the great Tina Charles at the time. Tina Charles, who had lots of hits as well with Bidu and the Bidu Orchestra, didn't she? Oh, Tina Charles. I think Tina Charles, big listener to LBC. Big, maybe not at 12 minutes past five in the morning. Al Martino was, I'm sure, the first number one with Here in My Heart. Um, 
Well, not according to this list of the man who collects all the number ones since the charts began. And the very first number one was in 19... Wait a minute. 1952. And it was Anne Shelton, the loveliest night of the year. That was then Perry Como, then Eddie Calvert, then Ruby Murray, then Dean Martin, Guy Mitchell, Michael Holiday, Shirley Bassey, Anthony Newley, Elvis Presley. His first one in 61, so it came way down the list, didn't it? Way down the list. Way, way, way down the list. So, um... So that was it. So which chart group... Of, uh, <coughs> blimey. <coughs> Crikey. The dust in it is terrible today. So it's... Uh, I don't know, but that's his... That's his list. And I don't know which chart he was going by. I'm assuming he was probably going by... Well, there was only one chart, wasn't there, at one time? I used to love the chart return shops. Do you remember the chart return shops? They were very famous years ago. The music stations, they used to... So if, if, if you wanted to get a record into the chart, there were certain... And it, this is well, well documented. There were certain chart shops around the country which acted as chart return shops. And the chart return shop, at the end of each week, they would fill in the things. So if, if I had a record out by Steve Allen, I would immediately go to the chart return shop and buy my own record. But I'd buy, like, 20 or 30 copies. When they submitted all the paperwork, all of a sudden, the Steve Allen record was shooting up the charts. And so you could always tell if a record had been, in inverted commas, bought into the charts. Because it would come in the charts very high. The next week would drop out completely. And that was buying in records, because they were going to the chart return shops. Uh, the system has, uh, has changed now. So that, uh, so that nobody can do things like that anymore. But uh, always very interesting. Always very interesting. Chart return shop. So we're talking about what you collect this morning. The things that you collect on 0845 6060 973. Time now, quarter past five. With the news headline, Sam Pittis. Thank you, Steve. Three people, including two teenagers, are facing life sentences. 18 minutes past five. Nice to have a company. Welcome to uh, Thursday morning. Uh, recollecting, I've been collecting uh, aches and grey hair, says Phil. I know, that's a kind of, you can't do anything about that, can you, really? Not very, not very exciting. Uh, Joyce says, no one here in my heart was Al Martino 52, not according to this one. This, this bloke who's collected every single number one since 1952, and he said it was Anne Shelton. It depends, though, doesn't it? And Al Martino might have had a number one at some point in 1952, but the first one was Anne Shelton. She was the first recorded number one. I mean, she didn't stay there for the whole year. So at some point, Al Martino might have had, uh, might have had a, a number one as well. But she was the first. And that's why he's actually got all the first ones. And, uh, and that's why he's selling them. What they're worth, I've got no idea. A lot of people collect parking tickets, I've discovered. We all do. do you remember when you used to get parking tickets on the car and you take them, you throw them in the glove compartment, hoping they never come back to haunt you? But they do. Carol Sala's done a great piece in the Mail today on uh, why do we always blame toxic men for the downfall of female stars, and uh, and she highlights the cases of uh, Whitney Houston with uh, with bad boy Bobby Brown banned from the funeral, Paulie Yates with Michael Hutchins. Nobody nobody asked her to go and take drugs. I remember watching tragic Paulie Yates, a total disaster on the television uh, when she was doing the Big Breakfast, all over the place. I mean, really, some morning she was just off her head completely. It was an embarrassment to watch. She just sprawled around all over the place and probably thought she was being very clever, but it was terribly tragic. And then, of course, Amy Winehouse with uh, Blake Field, a civil. All these people get, get led astray, don't they? They get led astray. I mean, Kate Moss, of course, was under the influence of Pete Doherty for a while, and they sort of wandered around. I think people do it. As, as everybody says here, it was, it was rather sad that Debbie uh, Raymond, who was the heiress to Paul... King of Soho, Raymond, £650 million fortune, uh, when she died of a cocktail similar to Paulie Yates's, 
Uh, she went out with a bloke she hardly knew on the town, leaving the kids at home purely to take narcotics. And you think to yourself, it, there must be some hell of a strong pull. Hell of a strong pull, but it's, but it's very difficult to try and stop people doing them. Nobody could tell Elvis Presley not to take prescription drugs. Nobody could tell Michael Jackson not to take them because people just wanted to keep them working so they could make money out of them. And that's, and that's all it was. It just became a money-go-round, I'm afraid. And, uh, and, and, in, this, and in, in all these cases, they all ended up with nothing. Nothing at all. Apart from, you know, all, all we end up with is, uh, is the memories and the, uh, and the things like that. Uh, Steve, uh, <coughs> Craig from the Isle of Dogs, says first ever British number one was on the 14th of November, here in my heart, or well, so, so you say, but everybody's saying, um, <laughs> Mag says, I've Al Martino singing Wanted, wasn't that a number one? No. According to my uh, charts here, and this is courtesy of the man who's got all the number ones, Al Martino never featured. <coughs> Excuse me, Al, I think, um, Spanish Eyes was... Was a big hit for him, but whether it made number one, I don't know. Tony at Westgate says, have you set up your Apple TV yet? No. Uh, he says, I collect D- DVDs, but not like yours. I could not fill a room. I, c- I can fill three rooms with DVDs. I've absolutely got... In fact, another two arrived today. I'd forgotten that I'd ordered them. But I went through a phase. I was watching Hayley Mills in a film the other day, and I liked Hayley Mills so much. I thought she was great in a Disney movie called Pollyanna. And so I, I clicked onto Amazon and then bought about six or seven movies that she uh, that she featured in and loved every and loved every bit of them. And I, you can't beat a good Disney movie. They they were schmaltzy. They had good music and it was they always had animals in them and they were absolutely wonderful. So I, I like I like stuff like that. Everybody talking about um, collections. Uh, Jerry says I collect football match programs. Now that's huge collecting, isn't it? People who actually go out. I've seen. Uh, market stalls with football programmes on there and people pouring through the boxes. Uh, and on eBay, if you type in football programmes, got tons of them. And, uh, and theatre programmes. Yes, I have a huge collection of theatre programmes, which very kindly have been sent in by uh, by some lovely people who didn't know what to do with them. And I've got some really early ones. In fact, one of them I gave to Barbara Windsor because it was of her in, I think, Carry On London uh, when they were at the Palladium, Victoria Palace, one of the two. And, and I gave that to her because I thought she wouldn't have it. It's the kind of thing that, that people don't keep, and I've got some, some old Danny LaRue's and, and stuff. I mean, you know, some really, really good stuff. Really, really good stuff. Um, I've just treated myself to Estee Lauder's intuition, says uh, Julie. Not that I can smell it at the moment. <laughs> Can't if you've got a cold, can you? It doesn't, doesn't go down, uh, down too well. Uh, Steve says, Tina Charles married Bidu. Al Martino was the first artist ever recognised, number one. as according to Mike Reed. And Whitney Houston was divorced from Bobby Brown. Her daughter will inherit her debts according to the US media. Well, I mean, of course, she won't have debts for very long because the estate is already generating huge amounts of money. Huge amounts of money. Because if she's going to have ten records in the charts, that's a lot of records. That's a lot. And it isn't just because Whitney Houston, unlike most of the people that we have in this country, you know, people like Sher Lloyd, she won't travel around. Nobody's remotely interested in Sher Lloyd or Cheryl Cole or any of these, these people. You know, really not remotely interested. And But somebody like Whitney Houston will sell around the world. She will sell, I mean, she sold something like 178 million records. That's worldwide. So, you know, in the event of her death, which of course has happened, people will go out and they will, they will buy her records. And so they will sell huge quantities around the world. Uh, farewell to a legend. That's uh, James Whittaker. Rather fat, overfed uh, royal reporter. And uh, they, all, they all claimed friendship with Diana... But uh, perhaps now we can have a conversation. She'll be saying to him up on that cloud, you said what about me? 
You said what about me? Because they all turned up, didn't they? They all turned up. Um, whoever this compiler is, he speak with forked tongue. Elvis would have been 15 in 1952. Blue Suede Shoes was his first hit in 1950s. So perhaps th- this man is fibbing. Perhaps this man is fibbing. And this is, so Elvis Presley is here at, uh, in 1961 with Are You Lonesome Tonight? That was his first one. And, uh, and Shirley says Al Martino definitely had a number one with Here In My Heart in 52. Well, it might have been at some point in 52. But he's got Anne Shelton down. I'm just seeing if they can uh, find it here. It's, it's going to come up for, um, for auction, and I'm assuming the items would cost over £10,000 to buy. They've estimated five grand, 7000 giving the uh, austere times. So they've said five to £7,000. So the number one songs on that day since the charts began, and they've got Anne Shelton in 52. Now, whether or not Al Martino popped up a little bit later on, I've got no idea. They say the collection spans... Ah, isn't it strange? This was November 52. Al Martino's, the UK's first official number one. So why have they got Anne Shelton then at 52? I don't think they know what they're doing down at the Mail Online. So uh, cleared that one up as well. Mario Lanza had a hit with The Loveliest Night of the Year after it was sung in the film The Great Caruso. There you go. She says it's a question that tends to crop up in quiz nights. Unfortunately, she says I dozed off and missed your act of kindness. I was trying so hard to stay away. I haven't told everybody yet. I'm saving it till, uh, till just after six. It's not, honestly, you'll laugh when you hear it. You'll laugh when you hear it, but I tell you, laugh, make you feel good. Laugh, make you feel good. Uh, Bobby Brown has said, I am going to be at the funeral. Oh, no, sorry, this is the, uh, this is the, the daughter who said, I am going to be at the funeral, which is good. And uh, Whitney Houston's family have said to Bobby Brown, we don't want to see you here, thank you very much indeed. We really don't want to see you here. I mean, they obviously hold him responsible and not very happy at all. Here's a picture of Vic Beckham. Oh, look, she's not wearing the dark glasses. You know why? It's night time. The only time she never wears the dark glasses in America. Uh, There's also a story in the paper today of of a pensioner who... (laughs) who swung like a stuntman over the water after grabbing a rope as, as his mobility scooter plunged off a quayside. You do see people on mobility scooters. They're a bit lethal, aren't they, these things? A bit lethal. The man, 73, uh, was on the machine when the accelerator jammed and it careered into the sea. A muscle boat later recovered it. A muscle as in, as in cockles and whelks and mussels and things like that. At least he grabbed the rope, poor soul. He, he dangled from the rope before lowering himself into the water and swimming to safety. He's unnamed, this man. You feel such a fool, don't you? You feel such a fool. Paul says, the first chart was November 52. Here in my heart was the first number one in the UK. I've Googled it on several sites, not the dreaded Wikipedia. The gentleman is wrong. And by the way, like, you do not think he will get anything like... No, I don't think he's actually going to get... I think it'll go for, like, three and a half, four thousand quid. That's, that's what I think. is Because most people who actually collect stuff like this have already got them, haven't they? Most people have actually got all this stuff. And so you're not going to want to have the, the collection all over again. Val says, good start to the day. M&S is hot cross bun bread. An early start to a long day when you're tucked up in bed. And uh, says, uh, I deal with every customer as if it was you. Never fails. Looking forward to loads of reduced flowers today. Leftover from Tuesday. Well, actually, do you know, I saw loads of... Uh, Loads of flowers. Do people not buy flowers? Because my Marks and Spencers is absolutely awash with, with flowers. They've got so many bouquets. I nearly bought one for the producer, and then luckily I held myself back and uh, put, put the wallet back inside. I'm not spending that much on her. Goodness sake, obviously you can have a hot cross bun today and be grateful. But uh, huge bunches of flowers everywhere. So obviously people weren't spending 20 quid. 
But people do, do complain, I know. I, I try and encourage people, Val, to complain about things. I do try and encourage people to complain, because otherwise we, we, just, we just go through, don't we, life, and go, people go, it's all right, yeah, it's, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Uh, Shirley says, are we talking about the British charts? Because they started in 52, and Al Martino was the first definitely, maybe this man has compiled charts from some sort of parallel universe. He couldn't be more wrong about the 15-year-old Elvis, could he? I think he's having a laugh. Well, I, well, I think it's the, it's the company that have put all this together. Whether or not they're accurate, who knows? God, blimey. And uh, Steve says, who the heck is Cher Lloyd? Well, it's a question they're asking in the music business. Who is she? She had a very lame single, and, uh, and that's about it. And now she's being rude about lovely Cheryl Cole. Cheryl Cole, not very tall with the hair extensions and everything else. And uh, as, as has been tweeted by Cheryl Cole, be careful who you're rude about. You meet him on the way down. And I suspect that Cher is probably going down quite quickly, actually. She's only been in the business five seconds, and uh, I think her minute is just about up. Coming up very shortly... The news at uh, 5.30. So we're talking about collections. (coughs) Excuse me. Things that you collect. It doesn't matter whether it's bus tickets. I mean, I wonder if you get older, do you still collect things? As you get a bit older, you know, some people collect beer mats. That was a fairly popular thing to collect, wasn't it? You go into pubs and you used to, in the days when you could find beer mats, and uh, and you'd you'd take a couple of beer mats home and then you'd mount them on the wall or you'd have them on the coffee table. I used to collect books of matches. When you go around to hotels, you go and collect books of matches. If you go to Vegas... You go around to all the different hotels and you get a book of matches and you put them in a big glass. And, uh, and then people come round and, and sort of say, what have you got there? And I go, they're books of matches from different hotels. And I suddenly realise, what a ro- rubbish thing to collect. What a rubbish thing to collect, honestly. Sweets were a good thing to collect, weren't they? But they never lasted five minutes either. Which is a bit longer than the news is going to last now with Sam Pittis, because it's 5.30. 27 minutes to six. Welcome. Nice to have your company. Uh, I do love the, the the story of the Canadian woman in the paper today. Her name's uh, Joanne Cully. She comes from o- Ontario in Canada. She's 59, and uh, she found some wartime letters from her late father. And when she read them, he said that the prettiest place in the world is Bournemouth. So she, ge- so she gets on a plane, mad as a broom, of course, and comes all the way over here, and she goes around Bournemouth, and she goes... She goes it is the prettiest place in the world. Bournemouth is the prettiest place in the world. Mind you, I mean, not now, is it? I mean, I've, I've probably walked... Well, though, she's only just come over recently. And um, he, he, he was stationed here, and she said it was totally true. She found a thousand love letters sent by her father, Harry, to her mum, Helen, while he was stationed in Bournemouth. And I suppose he must have been looking through rose-coloured spectacles, because I've been to Bournemouth. I mean, it's, it's nice. You can never describe it as pretty. You can never describe it as pretty. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's the, the the Winter Gardens in Bournemouth is still a, a, a complete wreck of a building, and uh, and the seafront's okay. I mean, I just I like seaside resorts anyway. We should get excited about seaside resorts as kids. You sort of get in the car, and we go, where are we going? We're going to Bournemouth, and you go down there, and you always knew you were in a seaside resort because they had big flower beds with clocks, and it was all spelt out, you know, Bournemouth, and sort of welcome, twinned with. I never knew why all these places were twinned. They're apparently stopping that everywhere now, have you noticed? You know, you drive into somewhere and they go, you know, uh, Biddeford, twinned with, and they'll, they'll come up with some place in Bulgaria or something, and you think, what's the point? You know, years ago it was Entente Cordiale, but now people don't worry about things like that. Julie says, according to the Guinness Book of Hits singles, here we go, Al Martino was number one on the 14th of November 1952, and Shelton didn't get to number one until 1959 with the village of St Bernadette. I don't know what chart they're working on. They seem to be working on a different one to the rest of you. And Jackie says, the number one the week I was born was Elvis, it's now or never. 
Catherine in Guildford says, I've, I've been listening since four and I've, I'm dying to hear about your good deed. I've dozed off. Have I missed it? No, I haven't done it yet. I'm saving it, actually. You, I hope you're not going to be disappointed when you hear it. Uh, Jordan in Chester. I mean, I'm bigging it up a lot, this thing, aren't I? I'm bigging it up a lot. It's going to be such a, it's going to be such an anticlimax. The people writing going, cool, blimey, is that all you did? <laughs> well, I thought it was quite good. Jordan in Chester says, I think a collection is something only precious to you. Other people call it hoarding. My biggest collection is CDs. Yes, people, people collect... But do you actually collect CDs? Or is it... It's like me saying, I collect petrol. Because I have to put it in the car. It's, it's functional. If you want to hear music, you've got to buy the CD. So it's not really a collection, is it? Because a CD... I mean, I'd rather have... I'm going to have something. I'd have vinyl. Because I think vinyl looks actually so much better than a CD. And what I've done now is I've actually put uh, my, my CDs onto my computer and and I've put them uh onto my onto my iPad. So uh, so that that that's what I've been doing now and that seems to work quite well. Well I say seems to work quite well. I don't know actually. But then then what do you do with the CDs? Do I then get rid of them? Because I bought the things in, in many cases I don't like to get rid of them. I'm, re- I'm I'm not very good at sort of throwing things out like that. Uh eight four eight five oh Steve at LBC dot co dot UK Matthew says that the drugs for Whitney became her escape to deal with a relationship. Oh, people come up with any old twaddle, don't they, now? People say, you know, people, people did drugs. Like that fat bloke the other day. You know, the one who lives in Harleston. He only started eating because his mother died. <laughs> Never as I was rubbish in my entire life. And now he's so gigantic, he can't move anywhere. And then we found a woman who was equally as fat, but her mother hadn't died. She was just a glutton. And, and then we did come up with what I think was the best answer to this poor man and his overeating and the fact that he's a drain on the NHS. We said, get out of bed. Get out of bed. And uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's the best example I can possibly give to somebody. If you're overweight and somebody's feeding you eight hot dogs, which presumably is a carer, or as I call it, somebody who's about to murder you, because frankly, I mean, you can't feed somebody like that eight hot dogs for breakfast. Ridiculous. Give him something normal. Let him have a piece of toast if he wants anything. Or if he wants anything else, make him, make him eat cornflakes. But the stuff he's eating is just so bad for him. Matthew reckons that uh, Whitney Houston, uh, because she had a, a female lover and she was encouraged by the record company family and her religion to give up the woman she lived with and marry Bobby, which she did, but she wasn't very happy. Listen, nobody will ever know. Nobody will ever know whatever went on in her... It's like saying, and I know that on the final day she had sugar puffs for breakfast. You know, it doesn't matter. <clears throat> the fact of the, of the whole thing is that drugs are addictive. Drugs make you do things that you wouldn't do normally. You know, if people take, and they used to, LSD in the 60s, they are hallucinogenic drugs. They make you believe you can fly. That's why so many people found dead at the bottom of blocks of flats, because they floated out the window, so they thought. All they did was they just dropped out the window. They thought they were flying. You know, so they used to get these other people, didn't they? But what you did flying? Was it yogi people? People who studied um, the, the Maharishi, and they reckoned that they, they, they could fly. They were just bouncing on mattresses. I saw that with their legs crossed, they were just bouncing across a mattress. They called it flying. I thought, no, it's not flying at all. It's called bouncing on a mattress. We did it as children. But uh, when, when, when people start taking drugs, there's not, there's not a lot you can do. You know, you can only say to them, don't do it. It's like telling somebody, as we've said before, don't drink, don't smoke, don't do it. It's very difficult, unless you really want to stop doing something. We've all got highly addictive personalities. <clears throat> you know, why do women stay with bad men? 
because it's an addiction. It's it's a it's a guilty pleasure. We've had this discussion long times in the office, you know, on why people end up with somebody knowing that they're bad, but they've got some sort of hold over people. I've spoken to no end of people about this, and it seems to be we're all in exactly the same situation. Eamon says, I'm pretty sure it was Al Martino with Here in My Heart. Here we go. And it was Al Martino, I think, who played the singer in the wedding scene, started The Godfather. I can't... Was it really? I cannot remember that one. I do love The Godfather. I distinctly remember circa 66, 67, though, getting a penny in my change when I bought some sweets on the way to school. In my change, I got a penny that had an image of a lady I didn't know at the time, and my mum said it was Queen Victoria. From that date, I've collected pennies from every reign, and with every change in the image on the penny, right back to 1797 with a huge cartwheel penny. I told you I bought a short while ago from a shop opposite the British Museum. Uh, they do coins by post, and they've got everything from 10 bob notes to uh, pound notes and things like that. And they were doing bags of English coins. 30 quid for a bag of English coins which contained sixpences, threepenny bits, pennies, halfpennies, farthings, I think, florins... Uh, two and sixpences, uh, all sorts of things. Coins which will be very unfamiliar to many of you. Uh, Nicholas is adding his uh, weight. He says, uh, the first British number one on record sales was There in My Heart by Al Martino, 14th of November, 62. No, it had to be 52. The chart started in 52. So we're now getting even confused. Down in Bristol, you're confused by the whole thing. No, it's definitely 52. We, we know that. We know that. And, uh, Paul says, um... I had a senior moment. Did you ever get a reply from the higher-ups at the company on, on Maplin Gate? Uh, no, we didn't. Uh, I think we, we, we just got an apology. We got an apology. But he says, I've just dug out my Reader's Digest 1950 box set, bought on a whim when Tom, you were in our prize draw champagne, fooled me into thinking I'd won a load of cash. First number one track on it, here in my heart, Al Martino. <laughs> Oh, dear. Heard your mention of the lady M&S. Funnily enough, I was only listening the other day to what is widely remembered as one of your best shows. Yes, they're all over the place, aren't they, these, these shows? Even, I, even I'm surprised by some of them. Uh, on the well-known auction site, uh, LP by Rosemary Squires, 1963, sold for £845.24. She's very collectible, Rosemary Squires. She was, used to be married to Roger Moore. Many, 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 many years ago. And they had a, a bit of a sort of a bust-up and they divorced and things like that. And, uh, and then Dorothy Squires had a fire. And then Danny LaRue lent her one of his dresses when she did the, uh, the London Palladium show. And to be honest with you, I never quite saw the appeal of Dorothy Squires. She wasn't a great singer. But uh, she obviously belongs to a different, different generation. I just remember she did a song called Say It With Flowers. That's, all I, that's the only thing I can remember about it. So... She must be in there somewhere. Uh, I'm flying to Munich today, says uh, Uti. Nice to hear you. Normally my alarm goes off at 6.30. And the first voice I normally hear is Susan Bookbinders. Well, there you go. This morning you're up, you see, because you're flying off somewhere. So that's always, that's always good news, isn't it? Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Do you pick up your emails during the day, says Val? Not always, no. In fact, I couldn't yesterday. The, the whole server was down. They were doing, they were doing something to it, so I couldn't... Uh, it was maintenance on it. I love maintenance on a server. I don't know how that works at all. And uh, strangely enough, actually, unique in his collection, in Bryn Williams' collection, is uh, Toastmasters glasses. 
And in the olden days, the Toastmaster would invent many toasts during a banquet, and it was incumbent upon him to drink for each one, sometimes 20 or more, but he had to stay sober. The glasses are small and hold about a thimble full of wine, which is little more than a sip, but they're made of very solid, cheap glass with a flat bottom, so the Toastmaster could use it to bang on the table to get silence. When I could find them in old shops, they cost between three and six quid, and I've got about a hundred, although I've stopped buying them now. I've never even heard of such a thing. He said there was one Toastmaster in the Middle Ages whose name was Wittybald Archie, who, so I read, was a legend for years. Because you, you had to be humorous as well at the same time, didn't you? So that's what it is. It's the, it's the, uh, it's the taking of the, uh, of the wine. So you're quite right. If you do lots of toasts, there would, be the, there would be the chance you could be fairly inebriated by the end of it, couldn't you? Uh, it is 1952, says Nick, who, because he lives in Bristol, is apologetic and will be sending money in the post as soon as possible, I should imagine. Um... Most pretty place in the country you've been to? Where would be... I thought the Cotswolds are pretty. The Cotswolds were always a nice place to go to. I always, always look at it... In fact, mind you, a lot of murders occur there, don't they? So you don't want to perhaps go there. The Lake District's supposed to be pretty. Bournemouth. Bournemouth is, is pretty, we are told now. I'm not totally convinced by it. Not totally convinced. 84850, uh, I collect old computer parts, says uh, Nedim from Manor Park. As uh, technology is always changing, and computer parts are always changing, <clears throat> one here that says the guy who discovered the Rolex was on the local news yesterday, and he was being interviewed. They discovered three more expensive watches from the same drain. Now police are thinking it could be a local house theft. Yes. Well, that, that's yes, I saw that interview on the television as well. But if he's allowed to keep them, that well, of course he won't be, because they're, um, they're a house theft. But if nobody comes forward to collect the things... Because I, I said yesterday, to find a Rolex watch in South End is, is kind of rare. If it was on somebody's wrist and it fell off, then you would know. If I, if I walk out of here and my watch falls off, I would know my watch had fallen off. But uh, to find it in, just outside of a drain, and then he found three more. So it could be a local house theft. <clears throat> and uh, it says here, who's Cher Lloyd? Miranda, the comedy actress, will never be a star in the States. But if she sells the rights to the show, then that could do quite well. Yes. Because what they, they tend to do is they actually buy a format in America and then they make their own version. They, the Americans had uh, Golden Girls and over here we had that show which was made in Brighton which had all sorts of Wendy Craig and all sorts of people in it. Never, never quite worked the same because there was something about Golden Girls that was, that was just unique. And of course the only one who's still alive now is, is Betty White but they're still worth watching. And then I watched the other night, Will and Grace. I've come to the conclusion Grace was a little crybaby who got on everybody's nerves just hung around. She was a little bit needy, I'm afraid, so I quite went off here. Uh, a lot of people telling me here in my heart was Al Martino, and it was the first number one in the country. We're looking for pretty places after Joanne Cully from Ontario came over on the recommendation of her late father, who said that Bournemouth was the prettiest place he'd ever seen. Where would you think would be the prettiest place? And what do you collect? 0845 6060 Doesn't matter whether it's, uh, f- I mean, football programmes. I suppose football memorabilia. It's quite collectible, isn't it? Football memorabilia. Some people will spend a small fortune, especially if you bought somebody like uh, like Chelsea. They keep changing the strip so often. Look at me knowing things like that. 14 to 6. 
With the news headlines, Sam Pittis. Good morning, Steve. Three people, including two teenagers, are facing life sentences for the murder of an 18-year-old in East Dulwich. David Cameron's devout to fight to keep the United Kingdom together as he meets with Scotland's First Minister to discuss an independence referendum. And London 2012 organisers are being criticised for being unnecessarily secretive about ticket sales, potentially damaging public trust. The FTSE will open after closing down seven points at 58.92. And London's weather mostly dry, rather cloudy, 10 Celsius the maximum temperature. Let's have a check on the travel in the LBC 97.3 Travel Centre. Rachel Hardiman. Thanks, Steve. The A12 still closed northbound at Junction 11 for the M25. That's due to an accident. All traffic is being diverted. Morning. 11 minutes to 6 is the time. Thursday. It's whizzing through this week, isn't it? Uh, Mags in Islington says, It's just occurred to me we must all be of a certain age having bought all these records. I'm 73. We didn't say we bought these records. I mean, people are just checking the uh, the charts to find out what's actually uh, selling and what was number one at a certain period of time, because now there are there are different charts. But back in the early days, there was just the one. I wonder how many records you had. I think you had to sell quite a few to get into the charts. Now, to be a number one, you don't have to sell that many. Aaron says, number one on my birthday was Two Tribes by Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Two tri- Do you remember that one? Two Tribes. I remember the video for that one. I thought that was actually quite good. There's a story in the paper today of uh, of Kaylee Muldoon. Kaylee looks as though she dyes her hair very badly. Anyway, she's uh, she met this this bloke in a shopping centre, and uh, and as luck would have it, she got herself pregnant, and she has a baby, and then she discovered he was a traveller, and so she sold her story to the paper today because uh, she said, "Well, we, we want to get married, but the the travelling community don't want her." And they've said, you're not getting married because you're not a travelling woman. You're not, you're not from the community and you can only marry from the community, which, of course, makes a complete mockery of it because there's loads of people who've come from outside the community. In fact, we've seen quite a few. There's a bit of animosity to start with and a bit of bare-knuckle fighting, but the usual sort of old, old twaddle you get from these people. But uh, she said, we, we want to get married. Uh, this, is, this is Martin, Martin Kelly, and, um, and she can't do anything. They only met at 16, they swapped numbers, started texting, then, then she got herself pregnant, and now she said, um, I, would, I would very much like to move in into the Traveller's site, and they said, you're not moving on here. You're just absolutely not. They, they don't like people marrying from outside. It's very strange, isn't it, really? We have all this sort of, this sort of rubbish going on about, oh, you can't do that, and you can't do this. It's a little bit racist, I'm afraid, isn't it, really? But um, she says here, I'm not a Traveller woman, I'm not like them. They have to act a certain way and aren't allowed to do certain things. What? What are they not allowed to do? They seem to be allowed to do pretty much just everything. And she said, uh, I haven't been brought up like that at all. So even though Kay Lee and uh, baby Johnny is uh, being cared for, she and Martin live separate lives. Mum and baby in a regular flat, and Martin on a traveller site. Ridiculous. Have you never been so stupid in your entire life? Uh, Aggie says, <coughs> Rosemary Squires and Dorothy Squires, two different people. Yes, Rosemary I don't know anything about Rosemary Squires, I'm afraid. I only know about about Dorothy Squires, who was married to Roger Moore, albeit briefly. Um, other stories in the paper today. 580 jobs a day go to foreigners. This this came up with Christo overnight, where they were talking about Predamonje and saying that, you know, if, if the manager is Polish, then he's going to employ Polish people. And they said that if you go to any of the, any of the coffee shops now, they don't have anybody English working in there. But in fact, in our coffee shop in... Well, in fact, we've got one, we've got about five or six coffee shops. And I don't think we, we've got anybody English working in there. We've got all, all Polish girls in Starbucks who look on it as a career. They don't look on it as, as the Brits do, which is like something part-time till you get something better. They all seem quite happy. They're all very cheerful. 
Nobody's not... Whereas the Brits used to be... We're, we're, we're particularly sort of down on certain things. And so, I mean, they, they, they did have a bloke working in there, but there was no personality. He was a bit sort of dull. It was like, oh, I'm making coffee. Whereas all the girls in there are very happy. Morning, Steve. Morning, Steve. You know, they, they know what, what coffee I drink in the morning and stuff like that. A bit like Christo going off on his holidays every year. So I, I don't really see any, any sort of problem with it. But I suppose if you were a manager and you were Polish and, uh, and you were looking at people, you'd, you'd want lots of... You, you're just looking for the right person, aren't you? It doesn't really matter who it is. It just turns out that lots of Polish people and, uh, and students come in want to go and work in, in coffee shops and want to go and work in, in pret a I don't think it makes any difference. It just means that we have to be a little bit better. I suppose the answer is start your own coffee shop. Then you can employ who you like. I will tell you about my, my good deed yesterday, which, uh, which I thought was quite a good... And you can, you can actually do it. You can actually do it later on today for yourself. It, does, it doesn't cost very much money. It's, it's actually quite quite inexpensive to do, as I will tell you later on. Uh, other stories of the papers today. William Shatner. Do you know how old William Shatner is? 80. He's 80 now. You can't believe it, can you? The most hated man in Star Trek. Nobody liked him at all. They all hated him. I don't know why. I quite liked him, but he's, he's now about to do his one-man show, looking back over his life and career on New York's Broadway. And uh, he's very fit. He still horse rides. And, uh, and he does do uh, fitness. He says, I, I ride, where people ride one, maybe two horses, I'll ride five or six. People marvel at that. He's 80. And he's going off with this one-man show. A lot of people do these one-man shows in America. But I suppose he's sort of there to put, put the record straight, you know, about his life and about who, who he got on with on Star Trek. I'm reliably informed that nobody liked him on Star Trek at all. They just, people just, I suppose, if you work together with a group of people for a while, it's very, very easy to fall out, isn't it? And then, uh, after a while, you sort of think, think to yourself, you know, well, psh, why should I bother? Well, he's managed to get to 80. He's managed to get to 80. Uh, here is Britain's unluckiest jockey. This is uh, Chock Thornton. He's, in 17 years, he's fallen off 367 times. You get the feeling maybe he's in the wrong job, don't you? You get the feeling probably not the right job for you. So 367 times he's, he's, he's fallen off, poor soul. Richie says, I hear vinyl is having a resurgence. Yesterday I received Caro Emerald's album, which is pressed in red vinyl. I bought Steely Dan's classic album uh, for £2.50. Is that Aja? Aja? For £2.50 on eBay. Does anybody, has anybody got the, uh, the Kenny Everett album? It was the world's worst records, I think, and that was printed in multicoloured vinyl, which looked, looked quite disgusting. Quite disgusting. Uh, Tony says, I collect calendar tea towels. I've got every one since 1976. Oh, Tony, tell me it's not true. You've not got calendar tea towels, please. My mother used to have one in the kitchen, and it used to have plastic bits that you slid along the bottom, and then you hung it on the wall. And it was a calendar... T- in fact, actually thinking about it, it brought me out in a cold sweat, I'm afraid, this morning. So, uh, not over-keen on that idea. Uh, Matthew says, Dorothy Squire's very unpopular. My parents went to see her at Windsor Safari Park. She was a bit tiddled, and she left after the performance. Somebody had let all the tyres down on her Rolls Royce. Not very nice, is it? Not very nice at all. And Shirley tells me, Dorothy was married to Roger Moore. Rosemary Squire's more of a jazzy sort of singer. They were not sisters... When Roger Moore left Dorothy Squires for an Italian film star, Louisa or something like that, there was an acrimonious divorce. Dorothy sued him for restitution of conjugal rights. Needless to say, she didn't get her conjugals back. Uh, Do please put us out of our misery, says Shirley, and tell us a story. I'll tell you just the other side of the news at six. I'll tell you just the other... Or I might do it on the special free point. No, I'll tell you the other side of the news at six. You can't drag it out as long as that, can you, really? So uh, now we know all about Dorothy Squires. Prettiest place, says Julie... 
East Sussex. Lovely. Su- I don't even know where. E- where is East Sussex? Give me a town. I can only do it by uh, by by towns. I don't know uh, anything apart from that. Chris says I was part of a stag night held in a fishing village in Devon. Having had a few, we were horsing around near the harbour. As I threw a stone into the choppy sea, my Rolex watch came straight off my wrist and followed the stone. I'm left-handed and used to wear my watch on my left wrist. However, since that day, I've always worn my watch on the right. By the way, I never recovered the watch. Very expensive stag night for me, and it wasn't even mine. Yes, I did that once. I went... I was out somewhere. Where was it? Hammersmith. On, I think, Turnham Green. And for some reason, we'd been out, there's a group of us, and I took my ring off. I had a, this ring, which somebody had given me years and years ago, and for, I don't know why, I mean, put it down to sort of a blinding moment of panic. I threw the ring, and it just vanished into the dark. And we all went, and we were on our hands and knees, in the, trying to find this stupid ring. We never found it. Never found it. And yet we went on holiday to Bournemouth, and we were all sitting on the beach, me, my mum, my dad, my brother, and myself, and behind us... There was a couple, and she she was crying. She, ooh, ooh. And my dad, being my dad, being quite quite nosy, said, "Are you all right?" And uh, her and her husband said, "Yeah, we've just got married. She's dropped her wedding ring in the sand, and it's all that very loose sand down there." And so we go, "Don't move! Don't move! Nobody move!" Because you know, the more you move the sand, the more it would. Dip. Well, ten minutes, my father found their wedding ring. You've never seen anybody so grateful. You know, because they've been hunting around and they actually could have lost it. We could have sort of, you know, picked up the entire beach and sieved it and probably not found it. Because if you lose stuff on a beach, that's why they always say, you know, I used to have a little thing inside my, my Speedos. It was like a little, uh, take that image out of your mind. Uh, it was a little pocket and you could put, put your watch in there and your ring and stuff like that. And you know, a little bit of loose change, you had enough money for an ice cream when, you know, the uh, Mr Whippy came around. What the ice cream man was called round our way for reasons best known to himself, or you can buy a packet of crisps. It's all good stuff. Anyway, I'll tell you my, my story the other side of the news. We'll also tell you why children's sugary cereals are as bad as chocolate biscuits. It's always the ones that we like, isn't it? The one that goes down really well round here, Jordan's. They love Jordan's round here because it's very tasty. Unfortunately, it's full of sugar. It's, that's why it's, it's tasty. I mean, I've had a couple... Oh, and the packs, have you noticed, it's not as big as Jordan's. You don't get as much. Whereas you buy a big family box of cornflakes, that lasts forever. But sugar puffs are bad for you. Frosties. I don't know why people buy Frosties. It's only a cornflake with sugar added to it. But it's, uh, you know, it's their great. Because we like to, I used to like variety packs. They could have, you could have Cocoa Pops and everything. And now I don't eat cereal. If I'm going to have anything, I might have some shredded wheat. That's quite good, I think, for you. Although people go, it's very dull, isn't it, shredded wheat? Said, well, I'd rather have Frosties, but, you know, all that sugar, not very good for us. So, news at six coming up very, very shortly. We're looking about your collecting habits. What do you collect? We're all a bit dubious about this bloke who's collected all these records. We don't think he's got all of them, actually, now. But he's selling them in Manchester. He's hoping to get between five and seven grand. I'll make a prediction. All the people who would bid for these things, they've, they've, they're probably just filling up collections. They don't want all of them. They probably just want a few of them. Worth five to seven, I reckon he'll, he'll probably get between three and four. That's a conservative estimate. Just as well he's not on flog it, isn't it, really, I suppose. News at six is coming up next with Sam. On FM, online and digital radio, London's biggest conversation... Morning, five past six. I did a good deed once, says Christine. I was standing behind a man who was filling his pockets with chocolate bars. I deplore stealing. I couldn't stop myself from calmly saying, I saw that. The man froze, so I told him to put them all back. He obeyed, turned and walked out. I still chuckle now. 
Yes, I do that. I did say to... I, I stopped... I saw some bloke once. He was wearing a... You can just... I can spot shoplifters a mile off. It's dreadful, really. I've, I have to try and close my eyes because I, I can't walk around stores now without looking at people thinking, I know you're going to shoplift something. You know, you, you look at some people... I told you after we'd seen that woman going around putting items in the top of the, the baby buggy and then picking up something as she was just about to leave and then paying for one item, but she, in fact she'd stolen steak and everything else. And, um... I thought they were very brave in MS to go after for that one. But anyway, so my, my good deed for yesterday. So having told you that I'm trying to find this, this blooming pie which has got chicken and broccoli and a, and, a, and a cheese sauce and some mashed potato over the top, and it's very nice indeed, I go all the way to Kingston, park the car, walk up to Marks and Spencer's. They've only got the one. So anyway, so I, I just buy this one and I buy this other thing. And I go to the till... And because and there was a man in front, a woman in front of me, and she's only got a few items. I thought, this is good. It's nice to find an empty till. So I put my two items there. And then right behind me appears this little old lady. And she really was a little old lady. I mean, she had one of those little old lady hats on. She had very flat shoes. She had a little shopping trolley with her. And, and she hadn't plucked her chin. So she had lots of, lots of hair on her chin. And I looked at her... And she just reminded me of my grandmother. And did she have a big basket of stuff? No. She didn't have a big basket of stuff. She had one bunch of daffodils. She'd picked up one bunch of daffodils, which was a pound. And, and she put them down on the thing, and she stood there, and she was only tiny. And, and then she opened her, her little trolley, and she's got her handbag in there. And she goes to her handbag to find her purse, and she takes out the one pound. And that's about all she had in there. And so she's standing there, and so I said, they're nice, aren't they, looking at the daffodils? And she said, yes. I said, they'll be nice when they come out. I said, I said do you have a vase? So God knows what I was thinking of. I've got, no, I must be off my trolley. So I said, uh, do you have a vase? And she said, yes, I've got a vase for those. And so then sort of the conversation stopped a little bit. And I looked at her again, I kept thinking, do you know, I don't know anything about you, but I just know what I'm going to do. I just know what I'm going to do. I just, I couldn't help myself. It was a very odd thing. So the, the girl puts my things over and I pick up a bunch of daffodils and put them on my 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 shopping so I bought three items and uh and then the little old lady it was her turn and I don't know anything about her I mean she might you know she might be a secret millionaire I've got no idea she just looked like a little old lady who who wanted a bit of cheering up so when she put hers and the the girl on the till said to her do you you want a bag for those and so she went um she was obviously thinking it might have cost extra money, which meant she'd have to go back into her purse. So she said, no, that's, no, that's all right, thank you. And she was so sweet, and so she gave her one of these little tiny green bags. And as she gave it, I picked up my bunch of daffodils. I said, and you add those to your daffodils there. I said, you, you, you take those home and enjoy them. I said, your enjoyment is far more important. Well, the girl behind the till started smiling. The little old lady went, oh, that's really nice, thank you very much indeed. And I walked out with a head as big as a, a, an elephant. And all for the sake of a pound... All for the sake of a pound, because that's all she bought. And she probably couldn't have afforded to buy anything in Marks and Spencers, because it's not cheap. You know, if you're doing your weekly shop and you're a pensioner, you're not going to be going to Marks and Spencers, are you? You're going to be going to somewhere like Iceland or something like that to try and make your money go a bit further. So she's now got two bunches of daffodils, and I felt brilliant. The sake of, I wish I'd bought her a bloody pot plant at the same time. I just felt like, you know, it was just one of those things that you sort of do, and you th- and I walked out and I thought... She's probably standing there thinking... I mean, she, she might have turned around and said, no, I, I, I don't want any flowers or anything like that. But it was only daffs. They were only daffs, and it was only a pound. It wasn't, it wasn't the cost. It was, it was the act of doing it. So if you're today 
in a supermarket and you see a little old lady. She's probably doing it all over the place. She's buying a bunch of daffodils. They're only a pound. Buy her another bunch of daffodils. Buy her a garden. Buy her a garden. It was, it was just, you know, I think every day you should do something that's quite nice. Because it does not make you feel good. It really do- It makes you feel fantastic. Brighton Steve is East Sussex. Yes, I, yes, I know that now. I'm just trying to pin down exactly where in East Sussex. Because I don't think Brighton is particularly pretty. In terms of pretty places, you don't go, Brighton is pretty. I mean, it's a seaside resort. But frankly, it's got a pier that fall, that's fallen down. It's got... Heather Mills lives around there and Jordan lives around there. So the, the lanes are quite pretty. But frankly, it's just another excuse to stick up some jewellery shops. You know, that's that's all. You wander around there. And a friend of mine, Helena, goes there quite a lot. And she gets some of her mum's jewellery made into a, a thing that fits her and stuff like that. And they're all very nice. But I'm just sort of not... I'm not sort of wild about Brighton. It just looks so it's a bit bit run down. I like going around the Brighton Pavilion. Don't get me wrong. I think that's really lovely. But but the actual town is a little bit run down. You know, I mean, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't pick Brighton for a holiday, would you? Would you? Oh, I don't know. We've, we've spoken about the Volks Railway and stuff like that. Yeah. Hen nights. Is it really? Oh, God, that's a very good reason for not going then. And it's also got a lot of drunk students who do drugs and stuff like that. So, and you can always spot them. Why is it students dressed badly? Do they go to different shops from the rest of us? You know, you see girls walking around with sort of Dr. Martin's boots on and stuff. And you think, can't you dress properly? You know, they've all got multicoloured hair because you, you know, because we're like, they're expressing. What a load of old rubbish. They're expressing themselves. I'm expressing myself. But I don't need to, to feel the need to sort of dye my hair lots of different colours and wear bother boots and walk around. Oh, they're art students. Oh, art students. Oh, well, they're completely crackpot, aren't they? What are you? I'm an art student. What does that mean? I'm just a student. OK, darling, I do art. All right? You wouldn't understand. No, probably not. What do you do? I paint teaspoons. Lovely. Riveting, isn't it? Art students. Otherwise known as dropouts, I suppose. Dave, morning. Morning, Treacle. Morning. Um, what you done the other day, a similar sort of thing happened to my mum just before Christmas. She's in the, the local supermarket doing her shopping. She had about... 35 quid, I think it was. Mm. And the lady in front of her just had her shopping done and she turned around and said to my mum, um, could I pay for your shopping? Blimey. Uh, my mum sort of was a taken back a little bit. She yeah. said, oh, well, why is that? So she said, well, it's Christmas. She said, I'd like to do something nice. Um, and she also paid for the woman's shopping behind my mum as well. And her shopping was about 20-odd quid, I Good think grief. it was. But the only thing was, my dad was waiting outside... And uh, he said, oh, I wish I'd have met her. She could have paid for my 200 fags <laughs> I just bought. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, it was the oddest thing because I looked at this little old lady and I thought, she just looked like she didn't have very much. And the, her, her pleasure for that day was going to be a pound bunch of daffodils. Oh, no, it's just, it's just a simple, lovely yeah. little thing to do to somebody. You oh, know, I to... tell you, I walked out of there. You couldn't wipe the grin off my face. Yeah, and you, you think about that all day long. You know, you've done a good deed for somebody. You don't want... Songs and praises for no, it. But no, no, you've no. You've just done a good deed for somebody. I'm hoping I've, that God is now looking down at me and saying, "All right, we'll let you win the lottery this weekend." I've, d- I've done it myself. Um, I remember one occasion I was over the West End and I went by another window cleaners van, and the parking warden was coming along. So I jumped out <laughs> and I put a couple of quid in the meter <laughs> when it was the old-fashioned meters. Yes, you know? yes. Um, put a couple of quid in the meter, and then I was sitting in the cafe weeks later, and this fella come in. And uh, he just put two quid on the table. So I said, well, what's that for, mate? He said, you was the one who fed my meter for me the other day, wasn't you? So I said, yeah, a few weeks ago. He said, I've been waiting to catch up with you. He said, no, I finally found you. It was just a nice thing to do to yeah, somebody. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I mean, to be honest with you, it just makes you feel, Dave, thank you for that. It just makes you feel so good. 
I mean, I, I mean, you know, she could have turned around to me and gone, I don't want that at all. But I thought, in which case I'd have felt really disheartened about the whole thing. But I just looked at her and I just thought, you know, I don't know. You just look at people shopping. You know when you're standing there staring into midair and you're looking at people shopping and I just knew she didn't have any money. I don't know why. I mean, you know, she wasn't, that's all, the only thing she bought. That was it. That was, she'd queued up behind me and she'd bought a pound bunch of daffodils and that was it. And I just thought... You deserve to have loads of flowers. You know, you, you feel like saying, look, give me your address. But I thought that was pushing it a bit. I'll have flowers delivered to you every week. We'll send you round, you know, ten, ten bunches of daffodils every week. You can have those. Because that was all she had. And it was the fact that she was just a little old lady. And she just didn't look like she had anything. As I say, she might have been a secret millionaire. I've got no idea. Every time I go in there now, I'm going to be dreading seeing little old ladies. They're going to be going, that's the man who... That's the one there, officer. He's the one. <laughs> yes, he bought me daffodils. You've got to get married to me now. <laughs> See that guy. But I just... I walked out, and even the girl on the till smiled. You know, because it was... But it was nothing. It was a quid. It was nothing. Absolutely nothing. But by God, the pleasure it gave me. And hopefully her... They, they, all she's got to do is she's now got two bunches of daffodils. So she went home, hopefully, with a big smile on her face. You see? And she'll probably say, you know, young people aren't young people. Young man. Young man. Because compared to her, I probably was. Quarter past six. LBC 97.3. Well, they're going to call me now. Steve Pound Job Allen, I think, for a bunch of daffs. <laughs> Makes you feel good. Try it yourself. I promise you, you'll walk away with a big grin on your face today. Find the right person. 19 minutes uh, past six. Nick Ferrari this morning, former Archbishop of Canterbury, will be commenting on whether our church is commonly underappreciated. A young Londoner will voice her disillusionment at the Olympics. And do we have real poverty in London? All of that in the full roundup of the papers. Mehdi Hassan will be looking through the papers this morning. There's an actress in the papers. I haven't heard of her. I do beg her, do beg her pardon. Her name is Chloe... Sevigny. I don't know who she is, but anyway, she, she went to Manchester and she's branded it one of the grimiest places, or grimmest places she's ever been to. Yes, I would think that would be fair enough. <laughs> Manchester's fairly grim, isn't it? I mean, most of these sort of northern towns are fairly grim, I think, because they, they just are. If, if you, I mean, if you've been to some American towns, they're actually really, really nice. And if you've been to some British ones, some of them are awful. But I do keep watching these programmes on the telly. I mean, having seen the... Uh, this uh, this programme about... Uh, what was this programme I was watching the other day? Oh, that's right. T- to the manor born. The, the manor reborn with um, with uh, lovely what's it? Uh, Paul, Paul Martin and, uh, and that other woman who was, whose name I now can't remember completely. I've now completely forgotten. Who was into the manor born? Audrey. Who played Audrey Forbes Hamilton? Penelope Keith. Uh, Penelope Keith. And it was, it's just really good programme. Just really... I like things like that. I'd have bought her flowers as well, actually. Uh, Paul says, on the subject of Dorothy Squire, it's a very good track... It's called Snowy White Snow and Jingle Bells. Oh, how nice. Sent it, to our, sent it to our Crumbly's page over Christmas and they loved it. And the UK Golden Girls remake was called Brighton Bell, Sheila Hancock. And, of course, our exports over the pond were Steptoe and Son, which became Sanford and Son. And, of course, Till Death, which became All in the Family with Carol O'Connor, Jean Stebbleton and Rob Reiner. Let's see. Fascinating mind of information this morning. Uh, Sylvia, morning. Good morning. morning. I'm just telling you up about my good deed for the day. Oh, good. Didn't work out quite right. Oh. My grandchildren wanted to go in McDonald's, so I took them in there, and there was this poor old fella sitting on a, one of the cheap sets, you know, the seats in there. Yeah. And he, was, he looked poorly, and he had all his worldly goods tied up in... You know them William Wheels that ladies do their shopping with? Yes. He had them all tied up with strings. Oh. And he had a tiny little beaker, I suppose it might have been tea in his hand, and he, I thought, oh, poor... He was very old, and I thought, poor old soul. 
So when I went up to the counter, I ordered him a Big Mac, a large fries, and an apple pie. <laughs> and as I walked past his table, I said, "Yeah, enjoy yourself. And he threw it at me. <gasps> That's the danger, isn't it? If, oh, I had all chips in the back of my hair. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> I tried that. I, told, I said the other day, uh, an old lady walking through London, a tramp, she had newspaper shoes and everything else, and I wanted to give her some money. I said, would you like some money? Which is probably the wrong thing to say. And she went, no, I don't. I told I me to go away. I don't want your... Um, I won't say the word. No. It begins with F, charity. Do you know, actually, strange enough, in America, they have a lot of that. They have a lot of down-and-outs who mm. sit in McDonald's. And, in fact, the one that we were in in Los Angeles, uh, just outside Hollywood, had a big sign saying, do not buy these people food. Oh. Uh, because they obviously have a lot of trouble with people just sitting in there. And I suppose yeah, it's, it's a bit of a worry for them. But, oh, my God. There was a man sitting in there, and he caught his You misery, he said. She just bought you a meal. And he yes. said, I don't want the oh. charity. Oh, it's awful, isn't it, really? Because it makes you I feel felt, awful. I felt, I felt a bit shaky. Yeah. I, I know. I, well, I can understand it. Should have bought him a bunch of daffodils them. instead. But I thought, what to myself? And at the Christmas time, I was in, I was in the Sainsbury's, and there was an elderly couple in there, and I thought, sorry for now. I thought, no, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> they were debating whether to buy a, a small, you know, those little tiny bottles of whiskey or gin. Yes. And he's saying to her, what would you like, dear? Shall we have the whiskey or the gin? And I thought, oh, poor old souls, it's Christmas. And I thought, shall I buy them a bottle each of the, you know, the bigger size? Gold. And I thought, well, if they, <laughs> I don't fancy two bottles thrown at me. <laughs> you're, you're asking for trouble, you, aren't you? I know. <laughs> Definitely not. No, I, mean, I always think that's, it's, it's quite nice. I mean, I, you know, just doing, just doing one little deed a day, I think kind of works. It, you know, I th- if, if we all did something like that, wouldn't it be so much easier? I know it's a bit Disney-esque. But to be honest with you, I think you do feel a lot better about it. Ju- uh, Sylvia, thank you for that very much indeed. Ashdown Forest, says Julie. We're talking about pretty places. Pretty places. Uh, Gordon says, I lost my first wedding ring while snorkelling in Cuba. Only you. My second one vanished whilst using a plucking machine to prepare a duck. Carolina so far not bought me a third. He's now in Charlwood, formerly of Betchworth. It'll run forever, won't it? <laughs> Very wisely not bought you another ring. Uh, Richie says, I didn't have his album, but I do have... This is the Kenny Everett album. But I do have the 12-inch of his... Yes, that rap, which I bought in 82. I nearly died that day. I cycled to Din's Records, sadly long, no longer there, in sunny seaside village West Kirby one Saturday lunchtime on a bike with no brakes. Foolishly, chose to ride home down a hill. Somebody opened a car door out into the road. I swerved to the other side building up quite a speed. Thankfully, nobody in the other direction, or I w- would not be writing to you now. Yes, we, I, I don't need to lose anybody, thank you very much. Great record, though, he says. Great record. Yes, I thought so. I thought so. Really, really nice, nice record. Uh, Alan in Bromley collects the lost umbrellas that have been around on trains, because he works for a train company. And when I'm driving my car in the rain, if I see somebody getting wet, I stop the car, give them an umbrella. Well, it's nice, isn't it? I think that's a nice thing to do. So I've also got a load of umbrellas in my car. What I do is I, I brought in today something, because they always, every time I go back upstairs, they go, what have you bought for us today? You know, what have you bought for us today? I feel like I'm having to adopt, you know, the younger members of the community. But uh, I brought today six hot cross buns, because they were only a pound. Well, it was two pounds for two packs of hot cross buns. So I brought in one today. They can fight over the hot cross buns. And some of those... Um, those iced buns, you know, the ones that sent, sent me round the bend at the beginning of the programme. <laughs> Not very good, I'm afraid. Uh, I collect first-class menus from the different White Star line ships, says John. I've got 46 so far and still looking. He said, and that includes two from the Titanic. John, I watched this great programme the other night. John Warrington put on 
on uh, disc for me. Uh, the, the programme about the Queen, about the Diamond Jubilee, and all the members of the Royal Family, which I'm very much enjoying at the moment. And the other one was uh, the history of Music Hall, where they go to Wilton's and they go to the Britannia, which I think is up in Scotland. It's a really, really good programme. Really, really good programme. I'm thoroughly enjoying that one as well. So uh, he's, he's very good at things like that. He, he knows what I like, as they say. Um, Debbie says, my friend was burgled last week. They made a mess of the home. Any tips for protecting it? Get better neighbours. Get better neighbours. Get neighbours to look out for you all the time. It's always works, I think, for everybody. Because uh, most people don't, don't talk to anybody at all now. Not keen on the Brighton Lane, says Julie. No, me neither. Holly likes them, but they, you know, she likes them. Pushing past people. Excuse me. Excuse me. They're not pretty at all. There's nothing pretty about the lanes in Brighton. It's just, well, it's good jewellery shops, but then women can stand there for hours looking at jewellery, can't they? You know, men just go, what, what is it? It's a jewellery shop. We just stand and gaze in the window. I was watching the women of Orange County the other day, and Slade, who appears to have slept with everybody in the programme, has just split up with the latest one. And uh, they're all just ghastly women. They're just so awful and vulgar. And one of them had, had a new ring, and she was saying, oh, did I show you my... Anybody else? She just goes, stop showing off. I want to see that stupid ring of yours. Um, <clears throat> uh, better mention uh, Crowborough, Uckfield, where my other is from, says Julie. So there you go. So there's some nice places, aren't there? I think there's some nice places in this country. Some really nice places. I think Twickenham's quite, quite pretty. You know, there are little bits of Twickenham. If you've seen the, uh, the little video that we made on the LBC website, lbc.co.uk forward slash Steve, little picture of me uh, going round Twickenham, which is quite nice. Rise in East Sussex, which is lovely. I collect famous dolls says Scott, like Madonna, Marilyn Monroe, Olivia Newton-John, Cher, and uh, Michael Jackson. Mike says, uh, good morning, pound boy. That's what I'm going to be known as forevermore, isn't it, now? He says, love you even more this morning. I shall follow your example. The place would be a lot better for it. And uh, another one here, and uh, says, Steve, I accidentally, accidentally dropped my wedding ring down the toilet of a virgin plane on the way back from getting married overseas, cried all the way back to England, was never found. Well, no, it would be, be jettisoned out. <laughs> uh, 84850. Brian says, the old lady who did the good deed for at the store in Kingston goes by the surname of Mrs Wilberforce. She owns a parrot, lives all alone in an ealing comedy with four bank robbers for lodgers. Do you know, that, that's what she looked like. She looked like that little old lady. <laughs> she really did. Uh, somebody says, Steve, lovely gesture, but you really should have given her your chicken and broccoli pie. You're joking, of course. I'm not giving up a chicken and broccoli for anybody at all. And, and Rob says, what a lovely gesture. I should go and get some daffs today. I should remember that and smile while they bloom. I know, just, I mean, absolutely wonderful. I'm just, I'm so good at these sort of things. You know, I like that. Out time? And, um, so I'm only guessing on them. Uh, I had a letter, actually, from David, who comes from Upminster. He says, can you send me a signed photo, please? I don't have any signed photos, but what you can do, you can go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk forward slash Steve, and you can download any of the pictures. I'm recommending people download the, uh, some of the Christmas pictures, the, uh, the pantomime pictures, which are particularly lovely, particularly wonderful, and we like them very much indeed. Front pages of the papers this morning, The Sun, Whitney, her final confession, I'm going to go see Jesus, he's so cool. She got her wish. Uh, there's that girl, 13, knifed to death by a woman, a 13-year-old knifed to death. Uh, the Express, the same headline on the front page, Miranda has stolen the hearts of the nation. Uh, <clears throat> the, uh, the tributes to uh, James Whittaker on the front of the mirror this morning. The Whitney War, ex-love Bobby Brown, banned from the uh, funeral. She had a premonition of death. We've all got premonitions of death. Nothing new as far as I'm concerned. And Whitney, she knew she was going to die on the front of the Daily Star. More from the uh, papers a little bit later on this morning with Nick and the team after the news at 7.
I'm back with you tomorrow morning from four. Hope you have a very, very pleasant day. I've had a delivery, actually. I'm going to stagger home with the biggest box you've ever seen. Wish I'd had it delivered to home, but there you go. You can't have everything, can you? Go to the LBC website, download the free podcast. About seven o'clock this morning, it should be ready. And you can uh, have a read of the blog and all the other nice things on lbc.co.uk. Back with you tomorrow morning. Uh, coming up on LBC 97.3, the morning news with Susan Bookbinder. Snow. Ducks mayer. Slask. Blurt snow. Puder snow. Skåre, grånsnø. In Sweden, there are 50 